welcome to another extra special, extra wonderful Last of Us edition of Normandy FM. We've got new viewpoints here to explore. I know we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger last week, and we're about to take a real turn in The Last of Us Part 2 here, and I'm excited for this part of the journey. Of course, I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, alongside Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how are you feeling about this? Mm, I'm, I'm tired, to be honest. I'm just very tired. It's been a long, long life. Long past few weeks. What so. could have happened in the last few weeks that would make you so <laughs> exhausted? Who can say? Who can't say? You know who could say? The one and only Ty Gellis Rowe. How are you doing today, Ty? Hello, I'm good. How are you? How are y'all? I uh, doing, doing keeping all. it real. Just vibing. I, think I have more energy than than Ken. I think maybe I'm absorbing Ken's energy. Is that what's happening? Mm. Am I siphoning this from you? Oh, it's about time that you started fucking doing something with it. Uh, yeah, it's it's important. Um, yeah. Ty, for the folks at home, for long time Normandy FM listeners, you are no stranger to this podcast. You are no stranger to this abode. Sure. But for newcomers who might be here uh, because of The Last of Us, who are listening to us talk about suffering in the infected apocalypse and also uh, that that's really about it it's just really a sad time <laughs> but, uh, for those who are who are new why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and also how you got into the last of us uh sure i am a freelance video game uh writer slash uh editor I am the editor-in-chief over at Uppercut, and I'm also, uh, for my day job, I work as an editor over at Upcomer. Um, And I guess the original Last of Us, I played when I was in, like, college, because I finally had a PS3, and I had a friend who was like, okay, you need to play this, so I did. Um... It was it was good. I you know enjoyed it. I would I'm never ever gonna play it again, because um, it's very stressful. And you know, I think it's, it's I think it's fine. But mm-hmm. like I don't. Every time I see the people who are like, oh man, can't wait to fucking start my playthrough of The Last of Us again. I'm like, man, you are a different person emotionally than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do not understand. Uh, and then with The Last of Us 2, I actually reviewed it for Bloody Disgusting. So, yeah. And how did you, how did you feel about that? Um, well, when I, I thought, I had very mixed feelings on this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was largely, the game overall did not do it for me. I think it had some good moments and some good ideas but like the experience overall i was like i Mm. came away from and i was like you know that was harrowing and i don't know if it was in a good way by the end Mm. (laughs) ty Ty, don't worry you are not the first person we've had on this podcast who had negative to mixed feelings about (laughs) the last of us part two (laughs) uh we we've kind of had all over the spectrum on this on both like the last of us part two and the last of us part one like we've even had some folks on who did not like the last of us part one um but it's interesting that you bring that up because as i've been playing through uh i guess we're up to we're on abby day one i have been thinking like 
oh, I might replay this game later. You know, I might do some of these combat sections later. I might do some of this later. Uh, but when you mentioned replaying The Last of Us Part 1, I thought about all of that that entailed and was like, no, no, I can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> not, like, not in a place to do that. Yeah, and I can't imagine doing it with Part 2. Like, I saw someone on my timeline talking about grinding to get the plat in that game, and I was like, oh, goodness, Oof. no. Yeah. Like, I will never play The Last of Us Part 2 again. That shit is just not... Mm. It's so like it's I don't want to have the whole uh, video games too long conversation, Mm. but the way that that game is structured does make it feel very long and it is longer than the first one. So Mm -hmm. I feel like based on your expectations of a previous Last of Us, you're like, damn, okay, this is a long. Mm. I, I think it's fair to say it is about twice as long as the original Last of Us. I mean. It's definitely section wise, maybe does not split up that way. I know when Ken and I were breaking this game up for sections, they they seemed roughly even. In fact, I, I almost want to say that we might have fewer sections for The Last of Us Part Two than The Last of Us Part One. Am I am I wrong there in the count, Ken? Uh, I think we actually ended up well. I, when you added Left Behind, I think it made it where like we have roughly the same amount of episodes. I think for both. Okay, well, I was I was just thinking in terms of like we basically have like opening and closing and then Ellie day one, two, three, Abby day one, two, three. Um, right. Whereas I wanted to say last was part one was like nine sections, but um, yeah, it, it definitely, especially with this day one of Abby, uh, which I mean, Ellie was the same way where their day ones were both kind of the stage setting. You know, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing. This is who this character is. This is, kind of setting up the major plots for them in Seattle, but Abby's day one, which we were talking about today, haha, segue, uh, is almost, I don't want to say excruciatingly, but kind of excruciatingly long. Like it really feels like they're trying to put a lot of exposition into Mm. one section of the game, because not only are we switching viewpoints and switching, what character we are controlling. So there's a lot of gameplay stuff that comes with that in terms of them trying to introduce new systems and ideas to you. But also like there's just a lot of character work that we have not had because we played as Ellie in the last of us part one and in left behind, like we know who Ellie is. And so a lot of that character stuff is just exploring who Ellie is now, but we don't know anything about Abby up to this point. Other than that, mm. Abby is the one what killed Joel <laughs> and all that. Mm. Uh, so we have a lot that we need to get through as Abby, um, which is interesting in a way. In other ways, it, it, it is kind of frustrating because there were multiple like flashbacks and stuff where I was like, feel like this could have been an email (laughs) but we will get to that Um, like one of my big issues with this game was absolutely the pacing and like for mm -hmm. me ideally this game would have been like the intro sections and then abby day one through three and just like getting interstitial cuts of what ellie is doing that during that time Mm -hmm. um because I just personally think the Ellie parts are like, but after after Ellie's day one, I personally was like, you know what? I don't I don't need to. I get it. She's hunting them. Like I mm. I understand, and like I feel like you don't need the uh, 
because Abby's whole like day is because of you know who she ends up meeting is she has like a story to follow through that but Ellie's just like yeah I get it you're hunting these people down like I don't need to see you Mm -hmm. take down every single goon along the way there are a lot of times where Ellie like ventures out into the Seattle um area like the broader Seattle area looking for something and it turns into like okay we're doing a level now where we're going to do things as Ellie and then come back and we will have learned some piece of information we're going to reconvene with uh with our group that we're building up here and then sit out on it it felt almost like like mass effecty like we're going to go do a mission and then back to the normandy and then do a mission and then back to the normandy <laughs> and um i i I can definitely feel what you're saying in terms of, especially once we hit later in the section and we meet certain characters and it, the story picks up a little bit and develops some, I guess like it's more of a full bodied story and not so much like, Oh, time to go. We heard there might be someone here we can murder as part of our revenge quest. So we're going to go do that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's like something to be said about the time that the whole thing like, when the entire picture has been painted for you, like, by the time we're going to reach day three again, where it kind of, I think, is very intentionally trying to point out that, like, Ellie's quest in the grand scheme of what was happening in Seattle was mm-hmm. so small and, like, so minute and, like, very focused in on, like, you know, her, like, almost like a tunnel vision of, like, what that character wanted and what she was here for. And I think that is, some, like, something interesting where you're kind of, like, as the player seeing, like, all these other developments that are apparently happening around her that she doesn't think, like, she doesn't really pay attention to because, like, that's not what she's here for. And it does, you know, lead to, like, what we were talking about yesterday, or last week, when, um, like, it was very clear there was more story to tell by the time that we mm-hmm. reached Ellie's third day, and that was where the switch happens, and it's like, okay, here's all that, you know, shit that was happening around you, and, like, what all of that was uh, referring to that was maybe outside of that character's field of view. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just really think that they should have, like... Yeah, I just wanted interstitial Ellie cuts without the huge gameplay sections. You know, like, the number of times you have to, like, creep around a gas station taking out dudes. I was like, I don't care about this. Like, I understand what she's doing, and I I get that she's laser-focused on that. If you just showed me, like, the scene of her leaving and then the scene of her, like, getting into the building where she's going and then have you play through that, fine. Mm. Sure. Like, okay, but just, like, I don't know. I think the pacing is bad in that game. We we, um, the, we, we are burning podcast content at random <laughs> here, but with this, this buckshot approach, but uh, I, mm, I have a thought, like, tailing off of that that we will get to in a moment because we do have to talk about the flashback that starts this all off, which is uh, the wee younger Abby... Uh, I believe it says it's four years earlier at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do we ever get like firm ages on how old these characters are? I mean, we've uh, known for Ellie cause like we knew like when we met her, like she's like a 14. And so I've always kind of gathered that Abby's probably like a year or two older. Like just cause like by the time we get to this, she does look, I would say a little bit older than Ellie did around mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we can ballpark it to around like mid teens around like 16 or so. Yeah. Um, uh oh i didn't know she had she has a journal no she just had like a couple notes she has notes were, okay yeah one was like a drawing that owen did of her and another one was a note from mel with, like uh something about like studying under abby's father for something and mm-hmm. you know, we don't really know who abby's father is at this point so that's just kind of like a, a note to mm-hmm. 
put a pin in. Well, we we don't know Abby's. Uh, okay, do we want to finally let, let's get through this section and then we can finally talk about it because there's something that's been bugging me for all of this, uh, and we will talk about it. But um, we we are playing as as the wee young Abby, uh, searching for her father in in the woods and stuff. Uh, we do some light platforming and adventuring. Uh, and such, and eventually end up uh, eating shit in the mud, and then our our dad rounds the corner. <laughs> oh God, his name is Jerry. <laughs> I always just someone's Dr. like, oh yeah, Doctor Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> uh, and he is the most dad. He is mm-hmm. of all the dads in this game, and there are quite quite a number of the dads. Uh, he is the most dad. He is. Uh, on this the day we are recording father's day he is the fatherest (laughs) of them (laughs) which makes some of the decisions he makes a little bit interesting but uh yeah he's totally like oh you got a little mud on you sweetheart he's like tricks her into learning about tracking and all that um he's he's very dad like he Mm. the whole section where he's uh talking about uh abby and owen and he's like oh i just like that owen you know, has to be nice to me now. And I notice yeah. how y'all avoid eye contact with each other when you're near me and stuff like that. That's very good. Very mm. dad stuff. I enjoy it. Um, but we're helping him track, uh, some, some hoof prints that we later find out is a zebra. Uh, well first we, we find some bloody placenta and stuff. And then we realize that it is a zebra that has recently given birth to a young wee baby zebra. And the zebra has been caught in some barbed wire. So we get a nice little scene of Abby and Jerry uh, cutting him out with Owen coming in to help hold the zebra down. And they're both also wee baby Owen. Like, it's very sweet. They're very young. Mm. It's a nice little scene where we get the zebra out. Uh, and Owen is like, oh, you got to come back. There's something going on. We got to go talk. Um, there's There's something going down. We need to go check it out. And finally, we go to check on the the zebras and see how they're doing. And we see St. Mary's hospital. Uh, so that's part one of the dun, dun, dun mm. <laughs> moments. And part two is when we cut to inside the hospital uh, and is Marlene talking to Jerry uh, and Jerry is fully scrubbed up and uh, Jerry is making the argument that he's going to have to kill this girl that showed up with a bite mark on her arm and all that. Uh, and that's, hey, here's the reveal. Jerry is the surgeon from mm. Last of Us Part 1. Uh, I Again, I want to say this. I, I came into this game knowing this twist. So mm. maybe this colored some of my perception of it. But at the very beginning of the game, we get this really nice remastered cutscene of not necessarily just Joel saving Ellie or Joel killing a bunch of people and then saving Ellie, but specifically Joel mm. killing the surgeon in a way that was way more cinematic and nice than it was in the game, at least from what I remember of it. Yeah. Uh, and then cutting directly to Abby and me sitting there playing it. I was like, Oh, so that's his daughter. <laughs> mm. Was, was this supposed to be a surprise twist? I mean, it yeah. was like, I, 
I, I feel like maybe you're like knowing mine of a color perception. Because that's I, that's I, what I'm thinking. That's because like I'm the, the thing about. that happened. Because like I like and we talked about this in that first episode. I very I was very sure at the beginning that like these were fireflies when they came to kill Joel. Mm-hmm. I did not realize the personal stake because like I don't. They literally don't give you a reason anything that Abby says to assume or like to know that there was like a more personal stake and. Uh, so yeah, this was really effective for me actually, just because like it mm-hmm. does, but like there are a few things actually unpack here. Like it it made me understand why Abby would be so compelled, as she was, to go find Joel in the middle of the apocalypse when finding people is like a whole fucking mess of like word of mouth shit that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it, I was very much, I was, I sympathized with her immediately because like, I was like I I guess that was it. I just believed in what she why she would want to do that like i bought it and i bought in and Mm -hmm. the thing that was maybe more interesting to me about this scene was that like we get a full confirmation through the the conversation with marlene that the fireflies fully intended to kill ellie without her consent without any care about what she thought Um, and that does add like a very specific um kind of like a because it it starts like raise the question of like where does the cycle of violence start in this game and Mm -hmm. Then it suddenly, The Last of Us Part Two becomes a story about like kind of a generational trauma thing that like is on the children to kind of like break the cycle that their fathers have started. Because like, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because we haven't really talked like about the scene in, in full context. But like that was like the point where I felt very much like ready to kind of like pull myself out and just like see the entire conflict for what it was instead of like being so like fully like uh, on Ellie's side and like feeling her pain and you know just being like making it like you know one of these sort of uh, like fucking hashtag team Ellie hashtag team Abby bullshit like you know that is like I don't know like that is something that this game can kind of get boiled down to in certain spaces and like certain arguments people make about like who was right who was wrong and this was just the point where I was like it, it made me immediately wish that the theater scene that we had just saw last week um I would like I wish that there had been some some sort of force in, that could have prevented everyone from ending up there and that in that that situation in that space and mm. yeah so that was kind of my feelings at this point right now ty how did you feel about this reveal when you first played the game um i remember like i remember feeling like it made sense because i feel like it's hard to understand like what the connection there would be right like abby when you start out is clearly so dead set on doing this mm-hmm. and it's like i feel like seeing that initial scene where you see Abby, who clearly has, like, really strong feelings about this, right? But then mm. there's a bunch of other people who are with her who clearly also want this to happen. Because, mm-hmm. like, why would you go through all the trouble to, like, not? Right. So clearly, like, Joel has clearly done something, right? Like, you're like, right. okay, like, something is afoot here because it's clearly more than just a personal beef. And then you find out that it was because, like, yeah, you can boil it down to the whole, like, oh, they're two sides of the same coins. Their dads were going to kill each other and whatever. But, like, at the end of the day, when Joel did that, like, the ethics of the Ellie situation aside, like, from the perspective of anybody in the Fireflies, Joel killed any opportunity for a cure. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah, and there's it kind of like paints a, like like when you think back to the, the scene of like when Joel was being killed, uh, there was like everyone kind of like saw that Abby was taking like a sort of like very personal like pleasure in it, and then there's like 
like Mel does not want to have to tourniquet his leg, and and Owen like when you know Ellie busts in the room is like end it now, you're done. This is this mm-hmm. is enough. And mm-hmm. so like you know there is that issue they all have where they're all like oh Joel deserved what he got, but I kind of wish I hadn't taken part in it, and like it did not go down the way that we were all because like I mean, you know there's a difference between like wanting to kill somebody and then dealing with the reality of what that is and like how mm-hmm. you know not clean it was and. That was all by Abby's doing. That was, like, something that she, like, ordered Mel to, like, you know, stop him from bleeding out through his leg. And then, like, was just relentlessly beating him with the golf club. Like, you know, there was, like, a disconnect there between, like, what Abby wanted and what she wanted out of this and what everyone thought that Joel deserved. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be, like, and even a, a, something that's going to get brought up, like, at the very tail end of this day. is like, that everyone is kind of, like, knows what Abby did was maybe right, but, like, the way it went down, none of them were cool with. And it has, like, created a rift within this group. Yeah. And, like, and I think, like, the, I think that reveal just, like, really cl- crystallizes that dynamic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And just, yeah, kind of, I feel like you get a lot of the stakes from finding out who Abby's dad is. Yeah. I'd say at the same time on that group dynamic thing, though, like, the things we learn even in this flashback also paints a picture of Abby maybe not necessarily being a merciful person towards Joel, but definitely being one of the more level-headed people in the group as far as other stuff goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll get there in a moment because there is something I want to talk about before we get into that um, because we have this section. First of all, I thought it was weird that part of me was like, is this section trying to paint, like retroactively paint Marlene as not being a bad person? because she's obviously the one being the pushback on having to kill Ellie and all that. And then Jerry, this, this guy who we just saw established as like super good fun. Dad is all of a sudden like, yeah, we, we got to kill her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and again, no, Oh man, it, it really juts out at me that there is just no, um, Hey, we got to sit them down and talk to them about it. Like we, we, this is what we think we should do. Right. But, you know, we we would want them to make the choice. And Abby has the moment because Abby has been eavesdropping on all this. Uh, and this is, I, I assume this is how we hear this. I guess I've never really thought about it up to this point that like, yes, this is a flashback. So we're kind of seeing it through Abby's eyes, question mark. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, the flashbacks in this game are always kind of weird because some of them have framing devices around them. Like, okay, Ellie is taking a nap at the end of the day and then has a flashback to a previous thing or something like that. But some of them don't really have framing devices. Um, Cause I think in this one, like we wake up as Abby on day one, but that wasn't really ever introed as a thing. So I don't know if we're supposed to interpret this as she's like having a dream of that time or not. I, well, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that that is the framing because like we're going to see like through later things in Abby's section of these games that like she has flashbacks and like she has nightmares and they specifically revolve around that hallway. And they, they do, but in a more like dream, like symbolic way sure. and not very literal flashbacks of things. Um, I, I, in the I way suppose. that Ellie does. It, anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because I was I I had not thought of the framing device of these flashbacks until now, and and now it is all I'm thinking about. But um, Abby brings up the idea that if she, if this was the case, if she was the one who was immune, she would want her dad to do the surgery 
and, and the dad's like, oh, you know, that's nice and all that. <laughs> and as you note in in your in your notes here, Ken, yeah, but Abby is in this situation consenting to this idea. Right. Ellie, is, Ellie and Joel are not being given the the choice to do this, and right. I think that's a major piece of this that I'm surprised the game just doesn't seem like it's going to grapple with. Um, I, it does. It, will it, does I mean, it I grapple it does. with it? And I think okay. It, <laughs> I think the answer that the game gives to that particular question is also, like, kind of interesting. Um, but, yeah, I don't remember when you find that out, so I, don't wanna, I didn't want to say anything. Um, it, but there is some, there's can... like, you do get, like, a direct reaction from Ellie about, like, that whole situation. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and I, I think, like, yeah, well, let's, like, put up in it. Because, like, I, I do think, like, Ellie's autonomy in this situation is something that is, like, paramount to a lot of this and is, you know, something we'll get into eventually. But I do think the game grapples with the lack of Ellie's autonomy more than it does, like, what Jerry wanted to do, I think. I think that is, like, I, I guess that's, like, the answer to that, I think, is that, like, what Ellie wanted wasn't really asked of her, like, even if it did necessarily, like, line mm -hmm. up with somebody's, like, somebody wanted, I think that is, like, an important note, like, mm -hmm. and it's important thing to, like, really, uh, the, the framing of the game, I think, is kind of built on that as well. Yeah, okay. that's one of the few okay. times that I think the mirror thing, or, like, the two sides of the same coin thing was used well, um, but, yeah. yeah. I'm interested to see that then, because that's, when I was sitting here playing this, I was like, please, please address this, and... I think the Jerry stuff is somewhat interesting because it does like remind us that, Hey, Jerry's a firefly still like right. just because he's super good fun dad. Like he's also a firefly and this is the group that was, you know, as, as even Abby and Owen talk about later in this section was super cool with like blowing up QZ checkpoints yep. and killing people and stuff like that. And, uh, we're basically like branded a terrorist organization by, uh, you know, the defense forces of wherever they, they have been because they kind of are. <laughs> and, um, and it, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing where it's like, he basically pulls out, you know, all the sacrifices we've done, all the terrible things we've done. And we've heard that a lot about the fireflies, yeah. like all the awful things we've done, but it's going to be worth it. Don't worry. Right. Yeah. Oh, good thing. We won't have to deal with any more cult like devotions in this game. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, we, we we play through the section where now uh, we see what it was like for Abby to do that hallway approach that we have now seen multiple times, but from the viewpoint of either Joel or Ellie, and now we see it from Abby's viewpoint um, in a way that will become a very symbolic thing as the game moves on. Uh, she goes into the room where uh, the, the deed has been done, and we see jerry on the ground with kind of a cloak draped over him and owen's talking about looking through the building and looking for it um looking for joel uh and abby kind of collapses down and has a breakdown and then it jumps forward to the resort in in jackson uh and i do want to note that when we jump forward to the scene where you know they've got ellie pinned down and it's when abby kills joel we actually see Joel's body this time. And mm. not only do we see Joel's body, but we don't see it from Ellie's perspective, which is like face forward on the ground, like much more like looking into Joel's eyes and all that. We see it from a position of 
power i'd almost say like there's mm. there's a dynamic here where there's like a height differential and he's on right. the ground and bleeding and stuff like that and i feel like there's almost a moment of introspection that you can uh intimate from this the way that abby kind of pauses with the club and then goes for one last hit you know does not drag it out any longer um and and then we get the whole scene where uh our ears were ringing as as we were ellie so we did not hear this conversation mm-hmm. which was convenient but mm-hmm. um we uh as, as abby we hear the whole conversation where owen is trying to stop uh manny and mel from killing ellie uh and uh and tommy basically saying like we're no better than joel if we do that uh and then abby makes the call that we're done and she tosses the club on the floor and, and they roll out. Uh, so we do now know that it was Abby and Owen that called off, you know, any further violence. And uh, Mel and some of the others were a little more eager to tie off all loose ends, which I think, again, like contrasts these characters' personalities as we meet them in the current time. But I, I don't know. There's there's a lot to unpack here. So Yeah, I do think it's really interesting that like Mel and Manny are the ones who are yep. like willing to off Ellie, but then at least Mel afterwards is the one who's like so fucked up over it. Mm-hmm. And it's like you were the one who like really went over the edge there, my friend. Like yep. I yeah. yeah, it's I also uh, think it's an mm. interesting moment because to me it sets up the fact that like Abby is able to control herself in that way. Like, Mm -hmm. she, yeah, she brutalizes Joel. Absolutely, she does. She is out of control in that moment. But, like, once she's done what she needs to do, like, she's not trying to hurt anybody else. And and I think that shows up again later for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's... I, in Manny's case, I feel like I understand Manny being well, cause like. Manny's just like a dipshit soldier, dude. He's just like, he's truly just he, fully in that like I am a reactionary mm. mode, and like he's very fine with being in that space. Yeah, in the current time, like we we have a long conversation with him later where he's talking about how there are jobs he could have done in the wolves in the WLF that wouldn't have put him in combat and all that. And he's just like, nah, that'd be boring. I like doing things. I like, you know, being active. And, and also like, you just get the sense that like, he's kind of made his peace with what he is in this world. And he's very like content with that. So in that way, like he's, he's very much like, okay, we kill one more person. What is that? Who cares? Like, this is just another day on the job. And um, I think that line, it's Mel that's a bit weirder for me, but it makes me just see Mel as like panicking, like not really yeah. knowing what to do and like, oh, we better do this just to be sure. And oh my God, what are we doing? And stuff like that. Right. Um, like there's a sense that like she wants it to be done in every aspect. Like she's ready yes. for this to all be over in whatever way she feels. Ripped the, the bandit moment. off. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of terrifying. Like, as the person who is then going on to be framed as, like, the most compassionate and, like, you know, the caring mom and all of that, to then have her be like, I need this situation that I allowed to go too far to end by any means necessary is, like, a lot to process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, and I think think that just kind of, it works for me, because, like, 
the way that like the sort of disarray that this group seems to be in by the time they get back to Seattle, like shows that everyone has had like very different reactions to what was going on and like had different expectations as for what happened, and so yeah, like I. It's compelling to me. It, like, yeah, it works for me. It's just very... Yeah. I think it's shocking when yeah. you, like, really think about it. Especially when you compare, you know, the scenes that you're going to get with her with Abby later. Mm-hmm. It's like... I feel like, honestly, like, Abby doesn't even, like... I feel like Abby could throw a lot more of the blame at Mel, and she doesn't. Yeah, that's that's true. I, mm, But at the same time... Mel's kind of got a point. <laughs> like, if if you're looking at, like, strictly speaking, if they wanted to just get done with this and then go on with their lives and make a hard cut and say, like, we're never going to speak of this again, they could have wrapped up Jackson much ne- much more neatly and moved on with their lives and probably gotten away scot-free with it and oh, instead no. they left. I mean more, like, the conversations that you see with Mel and Abby later are very, like rooted in their personal drama and then yes. what happened oh, yeah. in Jackson. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. like I think Mel throws like a lot of vitriol at Abby and I think Abby at this point is just like willing to accept whatever like Mel thinks of her. Mm. Uh but I think there's I like when you consider what actually happened in Jackson and like what Mel would would have been okay with it's like mm. I feel she her her leg to stand on gets progressively shakier. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh oh Ken, you've got you've got a whole ass novel here in intermission that we have. Yeah. Um you you have a point you would like to make. So I kinda wanna talk holistically about the notion that The Last of Us Part Two is trying to guilt the player for what they have done in this game. Because like, I feel like we need to get get like we we can talk holistically about it now because I think like by switching perspectives to Abby and kind of like what by the by the game at that point like trying to show like hey this this character had like a very personal reason for what she had done and um so i kind of just want to like get this out of the way now because i i kind of want to stop having to bring it up and like have to like dissect it or like in like in pieces instead of like you know what i mean i just want to like talk about it now so we can move on um because i in in being a person that was like writing about this game a lot uh, when it came out, like I saw like a lot of like the various directions that discourse went, and this isn't necessarily my least favorite thing that people say about Last of Us Part Two, but it is up there, um, and we will get into my least favorite thing about two episodes from now. Um, I kind of just want to like dissect the idea of this game, quote unquote, blaming the player, and the reasons why, because like like the reasons that that became a conversation point, and how I think it does not hold up in the game that has that we have in front of us now, because like that did kind of get sparked by uh, a quote from like Neil Druckmann in some interview where he was talking about like basically being like oh we can make the player feel bad for what they did and and uh, that was in the civil marketing campaign that was able to talk about a grand total of like eight hours of a twenty five hour game, um it, like a very deliberately um like deliberately obfuscating the, the truth of this game in a lot of ways because. And, but, it, like, when you set that that conversation point in marketing, it becomes a conversation point when the game is around, whether it actually supports it or not. Um, because, like, the fundamental structure of this game, I think, is so at odds with that idea that, like, I, I would say, like, if Naughty Dog was trying to make a game that was specifically putting a critical eye on the player, then they failed. Because, like, they made a game that did not support it in the way that it was structured, the, like, the story that it tells. And it frustrates me because it, it muddies 
what the game is actually saying to like try and find like places to like insert yourself as the player into a conflict that doesn't have anything to do with you and like it's a it's a linear game like there's like it does not give you choice like there's nothing like you you can't give the player one option and then laugh at them for it like that's not how any like that's not like how good storytelling and like uh like specifically game storytelling works because like you have to allow the player like a level of agency before you can have any sort of commentary on them specifically which the last of us part two doesn't especially because like we are playing as multiple characters we're playing as joel ellie and abby they all have their own various fucking motivations for shit that they do and the idea that the game is judging the player specifically requires you to have like have to have a very specifically ellie centric view of the conflict because you can't like have the player be this omnipresent observer of everything that plays different perspectives and like and acts out the actions of other of different characters and only assign the blame of one character to them because that like literally like from the fundamental way that this game plays does not uh support that um it, like it, it's it's a weird thing because like i think that boils the game down to like the player is ellie and abby exists solely to make them feel bad and that i think is like a very like very shallow reading of the game and i think it like it puts it it puts abby in like a sort of position that i don't think fits the character or is like even like does her justice because like the game is just as critical of the shit that abby did as ellie because like yeah like we're gonna see a lot of stuff playing as abby where we're going to get like the very human human moments between the characters that abby or excuse me that ellie has killed and um but we also got that with ellie too with joel like we saw all these things like in the flashbacks of like him being like a very uh loving father figure like the community in jackson like clearly loved him he had done a lot of good in his life um, but then we, like, you know, we see Abby, what he did to, did to Abby by killing her father, and that is why she goes on her thing, but, like, the game has to, like, it, it's like the game cannot be as sympathetic to both of its characters, and also involving the player in specifically only one of their, like, conflicts and, like, one of their internal struggles and their actions, and, um, yeah, I just, it, it's a frustrating thing because I feel like if you're gonna, if you're gonna go into this game, wondering how it like involves the player or doesn't like and you, like you want it to be this metatextual thing you are going to be disappointed so many more fucking times before we get to the end of this game because these characters are going to do shit that is probably antithetical to what you want to do at these they're like because then it, it becomes less about like what is it about ellie's uh, life and like her experiences and her motivations that compels her to do this thing and then it becomes about like why is she not doing the thing that i want her to do why is she not stopping why is she not like not to, like not to jump too far ahead of ourselves. But there's like a very specific turning point in the like last section of this game where like Ellie can become like in some people's eyes completely irredeemable because she, after everything that she's gone through, she still is not satiated. She still has a need to keep doing what she's doing, and um, it it it's always like a hop and skip away of like if you assume that the character is supposed to exist to be this avatar for what you want to do in this universe, you are. It's like, that's a hop and skip away from, like, if I were Ellie, I would simply not care about Joel. And that is, like, it just muddies the story that the game is trying to tell when you are constantly looking for, like, ways that it is involving you. When I don't think the game is. I genuinely don't. Like, even stuff like we were talking about with the Nora stuff. Like, I I have a different reading on that scene than you might have at, at the time, Eric, just because, like, I don't see the game and its structure and the way that it's written as player-facing. Like, I, like, my reading on the Nora scene was, like, you are like it's not Ellie looking at you; it's you looking at Ellie and understanding like this character is transforming for your eyes, and like you know you might feel like you're on her side because like we she's this character that we know and love from part one, and um, the game I think is 
very much critical of what Ellie has done, and we've seen that even in Ellie's days. And, you know, by uh, having the flashback with Abby, we've seen another thing that's like, yeah, you came here, you know, thinking that these were like a bunch of fireflies that were just trying, like, mad about the cure, but like, no, one of them had like a very specific stake in seeing like justice for Joel, like justice against Joel, because like her father was killed and was like, God, like, you know, he, he was just another fucking person in Joel's way when he was trying to accomplish what he did. So this is me, like, just me, like, trying to throw all my shit out now. So Because, like, I, I find this, like, view of The Last of Us, like, very cynical in a way that, like, sure, like, you have every, like, it's your prerogative if you, like, you think this game is, like, you know, total fucking trash. Like, just about, like, how terrible violence can be. That is your prerogative to have. But I feel like that insistence to, like, make, make a game that is deliberately, like, putting walls between you and the characters you're playing as to, like try and, like, fit your, like, your motivations onto the characters, like, it just muddies the story that the game is telling in a way that I don't think the game can come back from, because it, like, it's, you're, like, you're trying to fit it, like, a, a sort of, like, metatextual narrative to a game, or, or, like, layer to a game that it's not outwardly trying to do. And so I guess that's just, like, I, I just, I kind of just wanted to get that out there and just be done with it, because, like, I am, th this, that particular angle, like, people kind of, like, hit this game with, is very tiresome to me. So, that's that. Yeah, I also just, like, don't really get that argument, like, for all the reasons that Ken said. And also, like, I know people often bring up the whole, like, oh, all of the NPCs that you killed are named and the dogs mm -hmm. have names and they call out to each other. And it's like, okay, but during one of the last, like, combat encounters that I was doing in the game the guy, like, the AI, apparently all of them had the same name because all I heard the whole time was, I don't even remember what name it was, it was like, Jeff! Jeff! Jeremy, no! Jeff! <laughs> Just over and over, and I was like, okay, so, like, even if, because I could see, like, from the marketing quote from Neil Druckmann and from that design choice, right, I could see people, like, perhaps, you know, leaning into that reading. But, like, when you see how poorly it's actually implemented into the game, it's like, <laughs> if that's what they were trying to do, they did not do a good job of it. I've only noticed it a few times, to be honest, and I think it's only when I manage to kill somebody that's, like, far enough away from everybody else or, like, is within sightline, but not, like, nearby, nearby. Because usually whenever, like, it gets loud, they just either do, like, you know, it's the Seraphite whistle or it's, like oh, she's over here. I think the shots came that way. Like, I've heard maybe two names so mm -hmm. far in this entire game. Also, like, a lot of people are really in their feelings about killing the dogs. And while, like, I am a huge dog person, I love dogs, I would never want to kill a dog. Like, grow up. Like, it doesn't mm, mean the game is I, judging you because you feel bad right. about killing a dog. Yeah, and, and I have, that's... That, I have well, two well, addendums okay, on quick, this. Quick, okay, quick, yeah. Quick. Let me respond specifically to what I yeah. said. Um, I think there's, like, there's also a huge difference between, like, implicit guilt and explicitly like being blamed by shit like mm, i yeah. like you know you can like we even talked about this you know a couple episodes back like you can feel that weight like i think like the very matter of fact way that the violence in the last of us part two is it's like by nature of that like it's i think it's perfectly valid to have like a reaction of like no that didn't feel right to do but like the saying that the game has like actually turned a camera on you when the game is so deliberately like set these boundaries and like you know is about perspective and like is like lets you be this omnipresent thing and like in this the the framing of the story. It's just like, those things are two completely different things. And I just, again, it's, it's frustrating that like that bleeds into like the way that we talk about the story that the game is telling because it, it so often gets to 
why is Ellie not turning around? What kind of one I want to turn around? And I'm just like, oh, man. Right, Aaron, yeah. Um, so I want to talk specifically about the dog stuff, but we can talk about that later once we get to the actual, like, Abby day one part, which we need to do at some point. But um, the one thing I'll say is I don't think it's necessarily, like, you brought up the Nora thing, and I don't think it's player-facing in the way that it's, like, judging you for, for partaking do. in it. People do. Uh, yeah. That is, like, that um, is what frustrates me. The the thing, and I actually, like, while you were talking, I pulled up a clip just to, like, double-check. Um, but this this game, like, in multiple cases, has you partake in QTEs, and, like, sometimes it will kill people through cutscenes, and sometimes it will kill people through QTEs. And I think in the cases where it does hand control to you, that is significant in some way, because it's saying that, like, in, in certain cases, like, Owen gets shot and there you have no control over that. Like you have not pressed any buttons. You have not done anything and Owen gets shot. But in the same way, like Mel gets stabbed and you take part in that because you mash the square button. And so I think in some cases it is like, Oh, that's a video game. Like they're going to do a video game thing here. You get, you get locked in a struggle uh, with a knife or something like that. And the last of us, it, it's trademark thing is now you get to do the mash square. And I, I just think it's interesting the times when the game turns that on you. But I think I, I've said it before, but I don't think this game is like necessarily trying to guilt you in the way spec ops or something like that is where it's like, you did a thing. Now look at the consequences of your thing. I think whenever that happens, that's just natural. Like, you know, when we were, when I was playing on discord the other day and, and, I walked through that house as Ellie, like looking for scraps after I had taken out all of those uh, wolves. And I was like, man, this looks like a scene in hotline Miami. Like after you have completed a level in hotline Miami and you are just walking back through all the carnage you have caused and all that. Um, I think, I think there are maybe even like smart ways where the game encourages that by wanting you to like look for supplies after you have cleared a room is, is that it, it forces you into that sort of mindset where now you have to walk around all the things that you have done. Um, but I do think it just gets a little, maybe aggressive is not the right word, but just it, it involves you in the pain of what's happening a lot um, to whether it's to add emotional weight or just to add more like gameplay elements to it. But like this this game is very literally like two people like ripping parts of each other's lives out of each other right like you mm. abby like literally kills a father figure and uh, a best friend and all that in front of ellie and like causes all this pain to her ellie is going to where abby lives and killing every single one of her friends one by one like we are, they're literally just tearing into each other and we are taking part on both sides. We are, we are seeing both sides of the conflict. And so I don't think it's necessarily trying to guilt us. Cause again, it, it's like you said, we're, it's not like we're being handed the Paragon renegade choice of like, how do we save or spare? Like, or do we spare or kill? And uh, like, like we are going to act out this play, but I think in this game, even more so than last of us part one, it does take a little extra attention into how how these acts take place and even puts you in the driver's seat more so than it did previously and so i don't think that's an indictment of the player but it is like a willing 
indulgence in what's going on, a willing, like, you are going to really be in this moment with this character. And I think in some cases that works really effectively, but in cases like with Nora, I think the messaging just gets muddied up. And that also gets complicated by, again, when you struggle with Mel with the knife, it looks like your normal gameplay segment. It looks like how you control Abby normally because it's over the shoulder behind her. It's still very like, this is how I I control Ellie. But with Nora, like you are practically looking at Ellie through Nora's like viewpoints. Like you are you are seeing Ellie from a distance, from a camera angle you don't normally see Ellie in. And so I th- it's it's the framing devices in this game that I keep coming back to, the way that they frame all of this that that makes me bounce back and forth. So um, maybe then I don't know if it's a case of I don't like this, but it's definitely like muddied a bit for me, which I actually think it's better with Abby's section than it was with Ellie's. So um, I've been liking what I've seen of Abby's so far. Um, I, just, I just I just think that like not every game has to be about the player. That's just like my feeling well, about it. And I, I mean, look at like, that. I, I 100% agree with Eric that I think it's a matter of like Naughty Dog trying to make you feel like immerse I guess in those moments Mm. but I think that that's different than saying you are responsible for that it reminded me a lot of like in the first season of the walking dead in one of the episodes there's um like a guy whose leg is caught in a bear trap and you have to like cut Mm. it off and the game makes you like click every time to cut it off Mm -hmm. and Mm. it's just it sucks it's a shitty scene and, like, that's what those things felt like to me. I think yes. the Nora yeah. one is a little bit more complicated for a lot of reasons. Um, but, like, by and large, that is my feeling on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two ones I've had so far that were really brutal were Nora and then the dog in the aquarium. And uh, we, we're we going to touch on the subject of dogs in a moment here, so don't worry. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it's that's that's basically what I'm saying is that like even if it's not like about the player specifically, like about you personally and what you are doing, games are still designed to be played and so the way in which they present things to us is is important to consider as well. Like like what is the framing here? What is how are they choosing to tell this story? Is it working? Is it not working? Is it getting across what they seem to be wanting to get across? And does it feel thematically consistent or does it feel like it's flubbing some certain scenes? Um, boy, where were we here? <laughs> I'm trying to remember where we were in the timeline. We were, this um, is the intermission, right? Yeah. Um, Oh, we we already, yeah, this. we already talked. We already talked about Jerry uh, with the agency and all that. Um, we understand what compelled Abby to find Joel and how clueless Ellie really is about what's what's happening. Yeah, um, we we at this point, even as Ellie, we knew that this was Fireflies, but we did not realize there was a personal stake mm. in this, uh, which I do think is not not to undermine what i said earlier where i was like oh clearly that's the daughter or something <laughs> that's, um i do think adding a personal stake does at least make this conflict more interesting because if it was just we're playing x fireflies that would be kind of boring honestly <laughs> um and yeah like like i said it, this is two two people ripping 
pieces of each other out of each other over things that were decisions that weren't even made by them, but they feel like they have to do it. Like there, there's, you know, it's the age old. So we talked about this with Blake the other week, but like it's, it's revenge. This is what revenge usually is, is like, it's not even something that, that a person has decided they want to do, but it's an expectation that's hefted onto them. You know, someone in their life has been harmed and so they have to seek out revenge. Someone in their life has done wrong. They need to do right and all that. Um, it's, it's foisted upon them. Uh, generational we, trauma. Generational trauma. We love it. <laughs> we don't love it. <laughs> we wake mm. up in day one. Uh, Manny wakes us up. Um, uh, Isaac... Uh, who have we, we have heard from ambient dialogue that I blew up <laughs> in yeah. one episode of The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, Isaac is the leader of the wolves, uh, would like to see us. Uh, here we see Manny in a much lighter light. Uh, mm-hmm. We gather they, they are roommates. Uh, Abby and Manny are. Uh, Manny apparently had to borrow the, the room uh, the night previous for, for some good times. And apparently that is not an infrequent request (laughs) as we learn. Um, I really hate how much I ended up liking Manny here because this game does a really good job of characterizing all the various wolves slash, um, uh, like former firefly crew. And I was just like, damn it. I like Manny a lot. (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's fun. I like him. Um, we also meet Jordan, who is playing a Vita. Piers the Vita has survived everything uh, because it is invincible, as we have already proven. Um, mm. It is unable to be killed. Um, I so I, I'm going to broad stroke over this that we just kind of do this big long walk and talk where we're learning that we we are going to pick up Mel. Manny's going to try and force us into a situation where we talk with Mel because obviously like things have been weird not only since Jackson, but I think we can also intuit. Uh, because, uh, you know, there's there's some history between Abby and Owen, and Owen is now with Mel, and Mel's pregnant, and yada yada yada, um, and and we we go through this whole section where we're just kind of walking and talking uh, as as we move through what is this the football stadium in Seattle uh, turned into a giant complex for people to live in. And it's the coolest damn thing I've ever seen in post-apocalyptic fiction. <laughs> I love this. I want to. Mm, I wanted to spend the whole game here. It's so cool. Um, like they have converted one of the the concourse areas into a giant mess hall where they're just they're using one of the stalls to like butcher meat and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that makes sense because they'd have all the facilities there. It's so easy. And, and they've got like a food line set up and all these benches. There's like a common area and stuff. Like even when Abby first wakes up, you're in like a library place, but then you walk out and there's the whole fitness gym and all that where a bunch of people are just working out and training and stuff. And you, you find that the room that Abby and Manny live in, or it's, it's one of the box seats. So like if you've ever gone to a sports game, they got the box seats up there and they've got a box to themselves and, uh, oh, it's so cool. You're walking down the the steps and there's like shanty towns built on top of the steps and the field has been repurposed into an actual field for grazing and stuff like that. It's the, it's the coolest thing. Ken, this rules. <laughs> well, I'll tell you now, like 
I was aware, like, I'm obviously aware that they are, like, in a, in a stadium, um, and that's, like, where they got set up, and so, like, it's cool to see, like, they've got, like, a whole system in place, but I am super gay, so I didn't, like, know what was being repurposed, I'm just, like, that's a place where people congregate to watch football, and that's about all that any of these spaces mean to me. Well, even just, like, the construction of, they've built platforms on the seats and stands and stuff, and so they have like these outdoor areas and they're talking at one point where Mel is saying that she and Owen have, have moved their, like their living space to, I think it was like 96 or like row 96. They're like, yeah, with all the other young families. And I was like, Oh cool. So there's like areas like, so in one area there might be congregations of communities that live here. And I was thinking in my head, like why does, why do Abby and Manny have like a box seat to themselves while other people have to live out in like the rows and be more public and stuff like that. Oh, it's just, it's cool. It's a cool mm. setup. It looks, I mean, it, it looks really awesome. First of all, like just the idea of all these buildings being built up there, but the way that the stadium, which is intended to be sort of like an entertainment, you know, a place of entertainment, uh, a place of communal gathering for sure, but definitely not for long-term communal living uh, has been repurposed and like the, the training area, the, the workout room and stuff is now the gun range and it's where they have all their equipment, the loading docks where trucks would have driven in to, to dump off all the food goods and stuff like that you would need for, for hosting a football game are now like where they load up their military trucks to roll out, but they still have like docking bays that they, have numbers for and all that oh it's it's really cool it's really really cool uh i don't know ty ty did you enjoy the football stadium (laughs) i agree i didn't notice as many details as eric did but i liked it mostly just because like it felt like a remnant of like what probably was happening when the shit was first starting just because you know like a lot of states do use their stadiums Mm -hmm. as like you know evacuation and like flood shelters Mm -hmm. um and so I felt like that's probably what happened. Right. Um, and it kind of bloomed from that, which I thought that was good. That was some, like, actual environmental mm-hmm. storytelling. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's stadiums, schools, and churches. Like, you think of the communal gathering areas in any community. It's it's one of those three. Um, yeah. And then, like, now I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, yeah, it totally makes sense, right? Because in stadiums they have, you know, the facilities for food stalls the facilities for mm-hmm. locker rooms which would in theory mean like being able to shower and stuff like yeah yeah you might have plumbing there like there might be intact plumbing there mm-hmm. um and and large-scale generators for electricity yeah and... and just like a lot of space and also probably pretty defensible mm-hmm. i would imagine yeah yeah you've, you've got pre-built walls essentially and and gates and stuff that can easily be locked down um, yeah, it's a like not that, not that you're all saying that like it is an interesting thing to like juxtapose it against like Jackson because like that is mm-hmm. like a sm- like what it basically equi- is the equivalent of like a, an American small town where this is kind of like not you know in terms of like the actual like structure and architecture of what's what we're doing this is like this feels like more of a city yeah I guess. Mm-hmm. it's more that like you know the facilities of a city where Jackson is like a couple houses you know all gated up and horses yeah so yeah and, yeah and horses so yeah and versus like you know these huge like military grade trucks that we're about to take out. That's the other thing is this is very militarized. Like yeah. there is, there are essentially barracks. Like there's a firing range. They have trucks. Um, it's organized like a military would be not necessarily like a town would be. Um, 
and there is no place we see this more than the dog kennels. So we're going to talk about it now. Yeehaw. Um, so at the end of Ellie day three, we have a moment where we kill a dog in a QTE and we have killed many dogs up to this point, but this, this dog gets a cut scene all to themselves. Uh, and yes, Ken, I'm getting there. Don't worry. (laughs) Saw your passive aggressive highlight. Um, as, as we jump forward to Abby's day one, we see the same dog and we get introduced to Alice and Alice is here and it's a nice friendly dog that we can play. Well, no, we play fetch with bear. Don't we, we don't play fetch Mm. with Alice. Um, but we can play fetch with another dog in the yard and all that. And it's, Oh, look at the kennels. It's so nice. And I feel, I feel there is a reading of this that can be taken away. Like, Oh, now don't you feel bad for murdering that dog? Cause it turns out it's a nice dog. And my takeaway from this is that this was the moment where I was like, Oh, the wolves are fucked up too, because you can have a happy, friendly dog, but it's not like, it's it's not like a dog brought a baseball up to to Ellie for her to throw and she just stabbed it with a switchblade, right? Like this was an attack right. dog. Well, yeah, and, exactly. And this is a systemized like they have kennels where they are training these dogs mm. to go out into the field with them and murder people. Yeah, like they are. They are the same kind of dogs that like the military this. or the cops use. Yep, and that's the moment where I'm like, it, it, not. Mm, Oh, we're going to get into touchy subjects again, but um, this is this is the moment where I was like, if this was in any way supposed to make me feel bad about what's happening, all that's happening right now is I really hate the wolves now because yeah. fuck people that do this shit. These yeah. are nice, happy, dom- like they're, they're animals that have been domestic- domesticated by nature. And now you are trying to like, well, I mean, we domesticated by man, but like they're dogs are are now essentially domesticated and you are retraining them to specifically murder people for you and take part in combat Mm -hmm. activities. And now like, if you're going to try and guilt me about that, I'm just going to be really pissed at all the dog trainers. And I'd like to go on a revenge quest against them specifically. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the part. This is not the part for me where I'm like, Oh fuck the WLF. Um, cause there is a very big moment of that for me. And I think for Abby to a degree too, actually, which is interesting because she's such, such a character that ne- seems to need like a faction of some kind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I, that's a little bit later down the road, but like, yeah, with that part, like to me, like, of course I feel bad killing dogs. I feel bad killing animals in video games. Like, but that doesn't mean I didn't hunt the rabbits in horizon. Like, I don't love it, but I'm going to do it because I'm not really murdering an animal. And also, like, Mm -hmm. the WLF dogs are the same exact thing as, like, cop dogs or army dogs. Like, their Mm. weapons being sicked on two people. (laughs) So, like, yeah, no, I don't really feel that bad about killing the one that was going to kill Ellie. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's me getting my beef out of the way where, like, I know that that specifically was a thing where people brought up that part in particular where it's like, Oh, Hey, remember like here's you, you have to kill a dog. And then the game's like, Oh, but this dog was actually a good fun dog. And I'm like, no, it turns out you just find out that this dog was militarized already. And it might have fun playing fetch with the humans. It's been trained to be nice around, but not right. the humans. It's been trained to murder. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, that just, that particular like reading on the scene feels like 
you brought a bag like it was like some baggage with you that's just like my re- my feeling on that like yeah that, and that's just just generally like how i feel about like that sort of that framing that, like anything that like that abby's side of the story is entirely like constructed to make you feel bad just like feels like you have brought something with you on like on your way to the switching perspective yeah so so my long story short is fuck the wolves for for this yep. shit i'm sure there's other terrible things they're going to do but that one already off to a bad foot with me <laughs> yeah and like yeah there, there's even some shit that we're gonna talk about in yeah there's there's stuff like specifically with manny too it sucks because i agree at this point um eric i really liked manny and then oh he's gonna have a he does some shit <laughs> and i'm like oh i Damn this it. like i knew that you were kind of like this but like seeing you actively be like this i don't like Mm. Mm. I'm concerned. Damn. Nothing good. Um and throughout all this we're talking to to Manny and, and Mel and and you know, there there's some stuff that comes up. I I think the most notable ones for me were that like obviously Abby brings up the idea of like, is it cool that you're going out Mel because you're like very obviously pregnant and like at the point of pregnant where you should probably not be going into probable combat zones yeah. <laughs> and yeah this is another um, part that i kind of like we're just like you know we know that shit is really awkward with abby and mel mm-hmm. and like we're going to find out why relatively soon like the real real mm-hmm. why um beyond you know the joel thing um but like <sighs> even abby can be a real fucking asshole but at the end of the day even with this person who she knows like doesn't like her and like who she could just be a bitch to she's still like hey like are you sure you're gonna be okay to do this like no like there there is in the same way that you can see it in ellie with her like interactions with dina right like you can see the like good parts of abby Mm -hmm. in a way that like i personally did really like enjoy and like find endearing about her character yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Um, we also do get to talk about Jackson a little bit, uh, where I I think it was mostly they just mentioned that, like, both of them have had trouble sleeping, uh, and that's kind of all we really, like, Mel offers to prescribe something from the pharmacy or something like that, which, again, hey, they have a pharmacy, but mm. uh, it's, they don't have Tupperware, though. We did not get confirmation <laughs> that they have Tupperware. <laughs> mm. Ty, I have a fascination with the Tupperware that Tommy brings Ellie <laughs> In the prologue, oh. uh, the, and the lore implications, <laughs> but um, mm. yeah, we, we we have no Tupperware confirmation as of yet. Uh, but yeah, it's they you know we get the sense of what the relationship is like here between a lot of these characters. You know, we get the sense that Mel is kind of just concerned, but not concerned for herself. Um, she's worrying about everyone, but then not really thinking it through when it comes to her own well-being. And part of that might be because Owen's just never around. Owen seems to be actively avoiding Mel at this point, like taking Mm. assignments that he doesn't need to. And I, the feeling that I got, and this is just my own intimation, but it might even be that Mel is putting herself in in positions of danger to try and get a rise out of Owen to get Owen to pay attention. 
Um, that mm. certainly sounds like something that a person might be able to do. <laughs> I, I think that's kind of implied too in yeah. like some of the conversations around like around Owen and Mel specifically with her doing mm-hmm. things while pregnant. I feel like there's, if I remember correctly, there's some like kind of indication that Mel is kind of doing it on purpose a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or the very least doing it, like, because there's that line where Abby asks, like, is Owen okay with this? And then she's just like, why would it be up to Owen? Like, yeah, that 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 kind of, like, barbed response feels like the conversation has been had elsewhere by other people. And, like, that is, like, a a sensitive thing, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Just an arbitrary, intrusive thought I had while playing this this game, while playing this section. Uh, A terrible drinking game would be to take a drink every time you hear the name Owen in this section. Because I swear to God, every second sentence that Abby or Mel says, or even sometimes like Manny and Isaac, Owen gets name dropped a million times in this section. Like every time there was a fight that ended with Abby, where she'd be like, okay, time to find Owen. Where are you, Owen? Gotta find Owen. In, in case you forgot that we're yeah. going to find our ex-boyfriend. Yeah, and, and really like, that Maybe felt, it's because like, these are new characters, but to me, yeah, yeah, because like even like playing the new Ratchet and Clank, like it, you know, like it does the thing where if you're um like solving a puzzle or whatever, it'll be like, hey, I think you still have to find something. Like yeah. it reminded me a lot of that, and it felt very out of place. Mm. And I mean, it does that with the combat, anyways, where you will always have like, especially if you're trying to stealth or whatever, it'll be like, think that's all of them. Think I got everybody. Is that the, I think the area is clear now. And like, that's the player's signal to, okay, you can stand up now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can, you can walk around now. It's all good. You can scan the area for, for supplies and stuff. And I'm normally okay with that video gamey stuff. Cause I think Naughty Dog either just hides it well or contextualizes it well, or it's just a thing where I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. You've told me that it's, it's all good now. Um, I can use this workbench. Nobody will come out of that closet. But <laughs> it's, um, in this one specifically, like just they say the name so often where they're just like time to find like they're trying. It's almost like they're trying to remind you not just you're looking for somebody or you're going to a place, but you're not going to the aquarium. You're going to Owen and, and we're going to find Owen. This is about Owen. And I was just like, we get it. This is a new character. This is clearly a main character of some kind. We, we need to care about them. There's, I get it. Please let's move along. <laughs> um, but once we leave the yield football stadium and get maybe about like, I don't know, 10 seconds out, uh, <laughs> we get attacked by a bunch of scars on horseback, uh, which is a really fun little segment. Uh, lots of like shooting and, mm-hmm. and mayhem and such. This was this was cool. Um, we end up crashing after a Molotov hits us and we run into a warehouse, uh, take out some infected, very Last of Us stuff at this point. Mm-hmm. Like this was maybe my moment where I was bummed. I was like, that stadium was so cool. I wanted to just explore it. It's, it's so neat. And now we just, we're back in the last of us. We're doing last of us stuff. (laughs) We're doing extremely complicated boat puzzles that took me way too long to figure out. Mm. Um, the boat was not in the water this time though, but it took me way too long to figure out the pick up the ladder and put it on the cross beam to get to the rope and all that. Uh, that was 
there, mm. there was just a lot happening in this game where I was like, oh, right, this works with it. You rarely get a chance to actually use this puzzle stuff to the point that I actually feel like ropes have been underutilized to this point that now that there are multiple times in the section where I had to use them, I was like struggling to think of ways that I could use them inventively. And so I, I don't know if that was a problem that I mean, y'all, y'all have played this game multiple times. So, or at least Kenneth's played it multiple times, but yeah, I mean, I, just, the rope I, stuff always got a little weird for me. Yeah. And it is one of the things like, the, the, I understand the physics of what you can do with this game, but like in trying to figure out how it works with the environment can sometimes take a couple like tries or, because um, mm-hmm. like, but this like I, I knew what I had to do, but I do remember that being like, a, it took me a minute when I first played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I definitely I, got stuck on some of that stuff. I like breaking windows though. That's real fun. That Big is Big fan of that. <laughs> I've broken so many windows. <laughs> Um, anyways, after we, we get through, uh, a couple puzzles and a big old fight with the scars, uh, and also Abby's fear of heights, which is going to be a thing that we're going to have to deal with, uh, a few times in this section. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we get bailed out of a really bad firefight by some fellow wolves showing up, uh, and we, we head off to the FOB, the FOB, uh, fun fact, Ken, do you know what that means? No, I do not. Fallout I, boy. I, oh. Yes, we're we're heading to the fall. It's a forward operating base. I'm pretty sure is what it means, but um, also Fallout boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we we head over there. Uh, Mel has been has been slashed up a little bit in the back, uh, and one of our our saviors got shot in the hand. Is being a, a bit of a Bit of a crybaby about it, if I'm going to be honest here. <laughs> Have you ever been shot in the hand, Eric? No, but I'm just right, saying. Then, well, let it let, go. Do that, and then let us know if he was being a baby. Here's 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 what my thought is. If you get hurt, you know, in this situation, I I know this is this is maybe my own internalized male toxicness talking here, but you know. You got you got to be tough about it. You got to be like, oh, this is nothing. This is nothing. Bring it on, scars. You you could do worse to me. I got this. No problem. This is gonna be a great scar. So what we're gathering is that homophobia has survived the toxic (laughs) masculinity hasn't. (laughs) Oh, if only all these these males could be friends with each other. Sadly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, the Twitter discourse Mm. is so bad. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, but also there's like, you know, there's, there's someone else in, in the truck who's not only super injured and pregnant and still taking care of you in the process, but like, you know, tough it out a little bit more. Cause when you, when you meet up with, with this guy later in the medical tent, he's just like, Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, I really got hurt. And like Abby tries to be sympathetic and all that, which again, I think there's a lot of moments here that really make Abby a sympathetic and an interesting character. Um, I'm still trying to get over the fact that I very clearly know who her voice actress is. Uh, that's taking some time. Do you ever have those moments where you're like, Oh, this is that voice actress. That's why like, I, yeah. I had a really hard time with uncharted because um, what's her name? Like Chloe or whatever is this is it's, Claudia black yeah. and mm-hmm. it fucks me up. Yeah. Morgan, Morgan, Morgan from dragon age for those that don't know. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It fucks me up. Yeah. yeah. Like, there, there are, like, actors that you'll have, like, a very specific role that you hear, like, when you hear them speak. Um, and, yeah, Laura Bailey, I don't know that, like, I mean, she is, like, one of the most, like, prolific voice actresses in, uh, in video games, for sure. But I don't know that I have, like, a character that I specifically... No, I just hear Laura to. Bailey. Like, like, I just well, hear that, Laura that's fair, Bailey. That's fair enough. <laughs> like, there's Reese there's Sarah from Final Fantasy XIII, like, some characters that I really associate with her. But, yeah, it, it was, like, even in part one, like, where she played, like, more, like, uh, side characters, like, NPCs and shit. I was like, hmm, that's, that's a voice that's going to come from a very more, a much more important character later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's more the... And this is not like she's she's doing an excellent job in this role. It's just very difficult for me to not hear that at the same time. And I don't know mm. why, because there are other characters in this game voiced by equally prolific voice actors. Uh, but this was maybe it's because this is such a like focal character and all that that I'm like, oh, OK, I know. I know this voice. This I, mm. I it got better by the end of this. But yeah, at first I was like, all I could hear was, oh, that's Laura Bailey. um but you know we have more kind of walk and talks through this area we do see vita girl uh (laughs) live strong (laughs) get through this you got this Mm. um oh (laughs) build yourself an armor of vita switney (laughs) um yeah (laughs) stop just go just keep going i I can't stop thinking about that that stupid experiment that we did it was terrible um yeah so then we head inside and we we're we're going to go see isaac who's at the fob and uh we oh i'm sorry we skipped the part we also go into the morgue and this was a part where i thought the game was going to really actually pull the guilt card on us Mm. Uh, because we're walking through the morgue with Nora um, and we're walking past all these body bags and I'm looking at all of them and I'm like, it's day one. So theoretically we would not have right. s- caused all this yet. No, that was but, definitely not Ellie that yeah. brought those people. Yeah. But in my head, I was like calculating what time of day I would have caused most of my <laughs> carnage as, as Ellie um, to the point that I think that could have been, if they wanted to invoke that sort of emotion, it would have been interesting to have that moment where like, Hey, if every character was named and all that, what if there was a section as Abby where you go through a morgue and there are all the name tags for all the people that Ellie has killed and all that, like that might be an interesting thing to do. But, um, we, we go through because there's one specific body we need to look at. And again, I feel like there's maybe an implication that's going to be somebody else that, that dies during the course of day one. Uh, but it is Danny, uh, a wolf named Danny. Uh, and we're, we're a bit affected by it, but we, it's, it's more important because Danny was with Owen and Danny came stumbling back to the, the perimeter with a bullet, uh, in his stomach. And we got to talk to Isaac and find out what's going on. And also what's going on with Owen. What's this Owen guy up to? We got to find Owen. <laughs> uh, so we head up to the apartments and we walk into the torture area <laughs> um, where there is just lots of torture going on. And mm. also, if you want to talk about the moment where Manny kind of takes a turn, Manny mentions having previously been stationed here and working here. 
Mm. Uh, we soon find out what that entails when we interrupt one of Isaac's little sessions and the dude who is just casually reading and listening to, we, we don't see what it is. I'm just going to assume it's like an iPod or something. Cause they're all using very older technology. So mm. I hope that dude has like an iPod shuffle or something. That'd be great. Um, if you just looted somebody's old iPod shuffle and had to listen to their music all the time, that'd be fun. But uh, he goes in and takes over torturing somebody for Isaac while we uh, head up with Isaac to talk. And, uh, and just uh, real quick, woo! there was also there was also a moment where Abby says after the day that she's had, she wouldn't mind a couple minutes with these guys. And I was yeah, like, yeah, huh. where like the torture is clearly normalized and understood and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we do get the sense very quick that the war, the quote unquote war between the the wolves and the scars has been going on for a long time. And there's mm-hmm. been atrocities on both sides. And there is it's generally been just a terrible thing. And they're both kind of pinwheeling into the abyss together. Uh, but yeah, just kind of seeing it in action, especially being so like regulated and normalized and understood as a common part of working with the WLF was was, was another thing. Again, it's like the dogs, you know, it's like, oh, this is not just a one off thing. Somebody trained one dog to be like an attack dog or whatever. Like, no, they have a system in place for training these dogs to assist them in combat. Like that's. They, they clearly understand and are cool with all the terrible interrogation techniques they're using here. Yeah, I mean, um, they are truly, like, the army. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Woof. So. Um, <clears throat> Woof like a <laughs> We We head upstairs to talk to Isaac, who's creepy as shit, by the way. Just, man, like, the the cadence that the voice actor gets across that is so, like, very calm and reserved and almost Mm. hypnotic, but also very much like this. You can sense a restrained cold anger behind it. Like, like this, this dude could pull a gun on you at any moment and, and kill you and then not think twice about it. Move on to the next thing. Like I was, Ooh, Ooh, Isaac, Isaac was the voice actor did a great job of like creating this, this leader that is definitely, uh, imposing let's say uh and 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 charismatic because you need to be charismatic to be a good leader but um wow yeah <laughs> that i i had some skin crawling moments here where he's he's talking about uh the the line that he had where he's like don't let him fall asleep or whatever just like got me yeah. Oof. um it's, it is one of the, like the interesting moments where like what it means to like have power dynamics in like societies that are kind of like made up as they go along in like mm-hmm. Jackson, like yeah. that's one thing, but like here he is so like he he's very foreboding in like just the relationship that he clearly already like Abby seems to fear slash respect him and Abby has been like, you know, one of the uh more imposing characters that we've seen so far. So uh-huh. yeah, it's just like in this very short time that the character makes an impact. Yeah, I mean, compared to Jackson and, like, you know, having Tommy and, and Maria up there, like, that's right. completely different. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Um, and we're going to learn much more about Isaac as this goes on, too. Um, but we we learned that they are going to do an, they're going to launch an all-out assault on the island where the Scars have been staying. They're going to use a storm coming in a few days from then to mask their approach, and they're going to just wipe out the Scars 
Um, and then, and then Abby is just kind of like, by the way, what's up with Owen? Mm. <laughs> Where's Owen at? And Isaac, uh, who reportedly stayed with Danny throughout his dying moments. Uh, apparently Danny said that Owen, uh, shot Danny while trying to protect a scar. Um, and we we request to go out. Abby requests to go out looking for him. Uh, Isaac refuses. Uh, says if Owen shows up, uh, he'll be given the benefit of the doubt. But uh, he needs us here. And obviously, like Abby's saying, no, I'm still going. I'm gonna go because I think there's an implication there that if if Owen shows up, he's gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so the best way is for us to bring Owen back and be able to vouch for him in some way. Uh, and we decide that we're going to head out to the Ferris wheel slash aquarium, because as we learn from this coming flashback, this is a very important place for both Owen and Abby. And this is the flashback that I honestly was like, feel like this could have been an email because it was, it was very, very long Mm -hmm. and not well paced. And I felt like the crux of what they got to, which is just kind of building the relationship between these two. Uh, I think it's more knocking it down, but okay. I, I, well, I mean, establishing what kind of relationship they have is what I, I mean to say. Like we are, we are learning more about Owen and Abby. Like we are getting insight into their relationship and there's a lot that's happening here. And I just think that there's a good portion of it that just kind of feels a little drawn out. And maybe that's because we don't have the benefit of like, it's probably the same length as the museum one we get with Ellie and Joel. Right. But with that one, like we have pre-established care about these characters. Whereas I don't, I did not have it yet with, you know, maybe I would have had it later had they shown this later. But at this point, I don't think I really had that yet with Owen and Abby and especially with Owen, who we have seen for a grand total of about like five minutes of this game so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know, like it's it's not a bad scene. I just it was the one where I felt it start to drag on a little bit, especially because they add in an entire plot line, like like a sub plot line running throughout this aquarium. That is good, but I'm not sure what it was essentially trying to get across other than like, this is kind of what the scars are and what the appeal of the scars might be to somebody um, who wishes to join them. Are you, you okay. You, you threw out a lot there. So let's like go like, yeah cool. yeah so I, I think we can talk about the aquarium and draw strokes i guess if like we're not all jiving with it because like i what i take my takeaway is that abby's desire for revenge outweighed her relationship with owen yes. to her and that is like a very direct parallel to like what we're seeing with ellie is that like you know she's so focused on revenge that it's starting to impact her personal relationships and that was just like something um that, like that that was my main takeaway from the the first aquarium flashback was it like you can see like these two characters are like on the same path at different points and that is going to maybe inform, you know, th- things that are going to go, they're going to be uh, happening throughout Abby's stuff. And then maybe where Ellie might go one day and that's a whole thing to unpack. But yeah, I don't was, necessarily you know. mean to like gloss over. I just felt like this was 
because we we have a we have a scene with the Ferris wheel where again they're they're hearkening back to like Abby's fear of heights and all that. You you end up swimming into the aquarium and exploring it, and there's a lot of like fun little conversations between Abby and Owen. But um, it's it, it just kind of feels like it's a whole section that's supposed to intimate like, hey, you know they're. I mean, they are going out officially at this point, um, but it's kind of establishing what their relationship is, maybe why these characters would have trouble down the line <laughs> that would eventually lead to the situation where they are no longer together and Owen is with Mel. Um, also kind of sets Owen up as kind of this, like kind of the difference between them. So I don't know, maybe this is the value of this section is that we get to see the difference in values between these characters because we already mentioned that Abby like kind of needs a structure around here mm-hmm. and, and needs like, you know, some level of belonging and community, especially like as somebody that has lost a family member, I think having something like the WLF that gives her that structure and that found family, it seems important to her mm-hmm. at the very least. Whereas Owen in this flashback and then in later segments that we have with him, is very clearly like he doesn't like to be tied down necessarily. Right. He's he's much more free spirited. He wants to just kind of fly by the seat of his pants and see where life takes him. Yeah, and, but, and, and like an important like distinction to make is I think that that applies in terms of like his that does not necessarily apply to his relationships, but it does apply to like the workloads that he's willing to put on. Because like that I think is like he shows like a very clear desire to like be there for the people that he cares about and like, like, you know, really make people feel secure in like him as an, as like a figure in their life. But in terms of like being tied down to what the WLF is all about, uh, just doesn't seem about that. In the same way though, he's, he's making it clear that he doesn't necessarily care what, what Abby cares about in the section because she keeps saying, I want to go to training. Let's go to training. Let's just get back to this because that's what matters to her. Like we even get mention of how she's been training herself and stuff like Mm -hmm. becoming super swole and all that. Um, and, uh, he's, he's just like, no, let's keep exploring the aquarium. Let's go, let's go hang out. Um, uh, Ty, Ty, how did you feel about the aquarium? I don't particularly care for most of the flashbacks in this game. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, like even the museum one i was not a huge fan of like the ending is obviously very sweet and you know like a nice emotional payoff but like i kind of felt like we already knew that we were invested in joel and ellie's relationship um and a lot of the Mm -hmm. flashbacks felt yeah kind of redundant to me um in a lot of ways and so like i liked some of the aquarium stuff and it's hard for me to remember like which ones happen when um but I feel like I, f- I was a little bit warmer towards them just because I like Abby a lot as mm. a character. Mm. And I also, I think, I think Owen is kind of a fuck, but I think that's interesting. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> like, it's so weird to me. Owen, it seems like very, very, he, he wants so badly, like, to be a dad and to, like, have a family. But... That's what he wants, and he will get it wherever he can get it, even though, mm. like, he and Mel clearly, like, maybe don't fit together as well as they right. should. I'm yeah. gonna toss something out here, and it's been about oh god, 
has it really been that long? Like maybe 15 years since I've seen this movie. So tell me if it doesn't stick. But Owen gives me big Joseph Gordon-Levitt in 50 Days of Summer or whatever. Like that mm. movie. Like that sort of character where he just kind of gets swept up with wherever life takes him. And he's maybe a romantic, but also like unable to commit to something very firmly and i think we'll See, be able to talk more holistically of, about this later but i think he's kind of the inverse of that character actually because okay. that character is usually right like fixated on like the manic pixie dream girl character right whereas owen is like i have this desire for domesticity and like freedom and like being a silly bitch and mm-hmm. I will get that wherever I can get that. If yeah. Abby is not willing to give it to me, then I will take it from Mel. Mm. And if Mel isn't going to offer that either, then I, I have feelings about the last scene in this section, but <laughs> we will get there. Um, Cause yeah, that's the, that's maybe the moment where all of this turns around for me and I'm like, Owen. Um, mm. But uh Yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too hard on this aquarium scene then. Cause I do think later flashbacks and, and parts where we visit the aquarium are nice. And like, you know, a game that gets as depressing as this game gets needs things to offset it or else the depression, like the mm. sad stuff won't hit as hard. Right. That's just like natural storytelling. You need highs to balance out the lows and all that. And so I think maybe having this here does, at least let us establish like some normalcy and some cheer and some like people doing people stuff. He is the same way that the Ellie and Joel stuff did. So that way, when we get back to the real sad stuff, it hurts just a little bit more. It hits just a little bit harder. Um, so, and I mean, we do get some sad stuff here with this side story of the father and the kids. Um, the, the father whose uh, wife is killed by the wolves um, and he kind of regresses in on himself and, and closes himself off a little bit and becomes very controlling of his kids because of it. And the older brother ends up convincing the younger brother to run off with him to go join the scars because they want revenge and all that. Um, and Abby is clearly emotionally affected by this moment. Like she has a moment where she's like, Oh, that's really sad. This is like all really depressing. And Owen's just kind of like, whatever, we got the keys. Ha ha. Mm. Let's go. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, boy. And then, and we get down and we, we have a nice little moment where we find the, the sea lion that they had been arguing about, or this it wasn't a sea, it's a seal, right? That's like the whole, oh, yeah, there's a yeah. sea lion and a seal. Yeah. They find the seal that, uh, they got spots, uh, they'd been arguing about and Abby's, you know, they kiss, they have, they have a moment where they kiss and clearly, Owen is advancing it and Abby's like, whoa, 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 calm down there, tiger. Like, let's back up a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I got to go training. I got to go get ready. Like, I'm committed to what I want to do here. And Owen's like, whatever, I'm just going to hang with the fishes for a bit. Um, Yeah, it's it's a very different relationship dynamic than what we have with Ellie and Dina, um, where, where like Dina is just like ride or die <laughs> from, mm-hmm. from the get go. Right. Um, and, and so in that way, it feels like a, a weirdly, oddly different one, but it also kind of like maybe foreshadows what's going to come with Abby's stuff because, you know, with that, we see Ellie pre revenge, pre moment of revenge, right. And how that's eating away at her. 
But with Abby, we see her modern day post revenge and we see how it's eating away at all the different relationships that she had in her life mm. prior to fixating on this and, and going after it. And they even discuss that they've like been looking for leads and Owen kind of wants to stop. Owen kind of wants to move on, but Abby is still fixating on it. Um, mm. She still wants that revenge. She's bench pressing 185, <laughs> getting ready to, <laughs> to smash Joel's head. Um, yeah. I was, it's, it's interesting. So we're off to the aquarium to find Owen. <laughs> um, and the, the part that we're back in modern day and the part that Ken and I were talking about before we started this podcast, uh, we, we are in an apartment as Manny is getting us a secret way out of the FOB and we can find a note that we start reading and it's, it's clearly from a lover uh, and talks about whispering Spanish into their ear and stuff. And all of a sudden it gets grabbed away by Manny. <laughs> I, we find out this, this is one of Manny's uh, hideaways. Let's call it. Like I'd played this game multiple times and missed that episode. It was really <laughs> fucking good. Oh, it's, it's very good. It's, Especially because like I didn't even get to finish reading it, and like mm-hmm. you know we're so used to being able to like take all these notes and keep them with us. Like, nope, he takes it, and it's not even a collectible that we can keep anymore. Yep, yep, it's not in our inventory anymore because he took it. It's that's good gameplay, good mm-hmm. stuff. I I like that this game does that stuff where yeah. it just it, you know it it jumps you at the workbench, it takes the letter away from you. Like it's very yeah. very fun little bits. Of, yeah. of stuff. Um, so Manny helps us out, gets us over the fence, and we start heading off to go find Owen, uh, in case you forgot what we were doing here. <laughs> uh, and this is kind of more like one of, you know, Ellie's segments. So it's, it's a little more open. Uh, we've got storefronts that we can move through. We can find a precursor orb from Jack and Daxter, which is mm. very goofy and fun. Um, also, at this point, I, I do want to address, like, now that we are kind of properly playing as Abby, uh, Ken and I discussed this a little bit before the podcast, but there are some clear... I, I At first, I was not wild about this because I was like, oh, great, you know, we got to start from square one with a character. We just got off of having Ellie be super powered and have all this, like, awesome, rad uh, weaponry and, and utilities, and now we've got to go back to you know, having just some basic stuff, but the game gets you not only back up to speed pretty quick where you get all the training manuals in day one and you kind of have an idea of what Abby's general move set in Arsenal is, but it's also like in some ways it's similar to Ellie's, but in other ways it is like substantially different, you Mm -hmm. know, having incendiary shells and pipe bombs from the get go instead of Molotovs. Uh, You got to make sure now. Yeah, you have to make shivs. You don't have the knife anymore, which does seem a little bit weird. I'm surprised Abby doesn't have like a combat knife or something. She mm. she strikes me as somebody that would have a combat knife in her boot or something like that. But um, yeah, it's okay. Well, guess not. Mm. <laughs> but uh, overall, like it's maybe not as substantially different. You are still kind of doing generally the same things of sneaking around and stuff like that. But I do think it ends up giving you some more interesting choices that you have to make in, in some cases Mm -hmm. and definitely changes up like the way that you engage with people. I think Abby is much better suited to 
head-on engagements with yeah, like you have the sure. semi-automatic rifle from the get-go like the guns you're getting are a double-barreled shotgun and a hunting pistol and stuff and you can Military learn to craft shot. yeah like you have weapons that are meant you, you don't have like stun grenades and stuff like that like you are clearly going in to kill people <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and she's she's very good at that so all right who can who do you enjoy playing as more like what play style ends up suiting you better once you've unlocked all this stuff i think i do generally prefer ellie just because like she is the stealth driven character and that is how i play these games that is like what i prefer um and i i don't like to go in gun blazing if i don't have to um and i, and I do just generally like the feeling like that i'm more constantly just kind of like just getting by that it's like it, that's mm. like it's not it's well it's weird to say like i like when the game is harder but like it's i just generally like that feeling of like you know, really, like, carefully crafting, like, a stealth encounter and then something going wrong and I have to, like, just fly by the seat of my pants to get, it, to get through it and then maybe I, like, lost, like, almost all of my fucking, like, resources at that point. But I do, that is, like, a really satisfying thing where, like, I don't feel like a powerhouse in these games. So Al- mm-hmm. uh, Ellie just kind of is more generally geared towards that and, like, where Abby is very much, like, able to just kind of take things head on in a way that Ellie's not necessarily equipped to. Mm-hmm. Like, a- a- Abby almost plays more like Joel which is something that, like, is occur- like occurs to me when I play this game. Just, like, her, her melee stuff is more impactful. She has to do shivs instead of having, you know, the knife like Ellie does. And, uh, yeah, like, just... I-, I feel like they are distinct enough that, like, it does... Especially in a game this long, like, to have uh, something that, like, really shakes things up at the midpoint, I think is important and I think is useful. And I think they uh, pulled it off, in my opinion. Ty, do you enjoy playing as, as Ellie or Abby more? Abby because I like to be strong. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair enough. I do you like do you generally be... go stealth? Um, I mean, the thing about it is that like my ideal playstyle in any video game is that I am as stealthy as I can be until I eventually fuck it up, and then I want to mm-hmm. be <laughs> extremely like melee focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Abby works well for me in that sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird for me because as Ken knows, I'm bloodthirsty in these games and I will try to stealth a little bit. But like if I get a good opportunity to just go loud and take out a bunch of enemies, I will take it. Um, But in that way, I think I like Ellie a little bit more just because I think the tools that Ellie has are better for like wanton destruction in the way that I enjoy, like explosive arrowheads and Molotovs and stuff like that. I like not just causing, you know, damage, but causing chaos and <laughs> and disrupting the ranks and all that. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm getting to do that a little bit more with Ellie than I am. And, you know, maybe maybe Abby's going to get some explosive crossbow bolts and then we're going to really get cooking. But <laughs> uh, so far, I am missing some of the more devastating pieces of Ellie's arsenal, let's say. Uh Although the pipe bombs are fine. Pipe bombs are all right. Um, But yeah, so we we move through this area. Um, There's definitely, like, I think some interesting world building with learning more about the scars and what they believe. We get the sense that there's this character that's like a martyr for them that Mm -hmm. Isaac had killed at some point and ended up creating kind of the cult that that the scars had. Uh, And I think a lot of the imagery we see there is really cool. There's like a truck we can open up that has like a whole shrine to her and everything. That's, that's really interesting. Um, Definitely feels like this, this like Abby's day one is about the scar, like explaining the scars through mm -hmm. like the environment where 
Elif is more about the WLF. So like they kind of use that duality in a way, in a clever way, I think. Yeah. And, and as we move through this area, we keep taking out more and more folks until we get to this part where we just get taken out, uh, by a heavy, uh, a very specific heavy that will pop up again later, yeah. which I thought was fun. Like here's this specific heavy, but yeah. one that Abby bites the ear off of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Well, classic it, move. Seems to be a go-to tactic for her. We'll, we'll touch on that. Yeah. Abby's a biter later. for sure. Yep. <laughs> She's uh which I respect it. I too am a biter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it works for her. It's been effective every time I've seen her do it. Listen. It's frightening because it breaks the social contract. You know, like, I feel like in a fist fight, you understand that you're going to fight with fists. And then when the teeth come out, you're like, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Listen, there's no <laughs> social contract here. This is the last of us. Mm. <laughs> That's, may, you know, maybe maybe Abby's got some shock tactics, too. Also, to, be, to be fair, my perspective is different because Abby's big. I'm not big, so I will use mm. any advantage. That's mm. fair. That's fair. Um so in that way, it's like subversive. Like she's like, "Oh, I'm this fucking swole woman," but no, I just I, I got teeth too. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Abby yeah, will do whatever it takes to win. Yep. Secretly, she has one of those like bands that you put on your your head, and like she trains her jaw as well. She's been working <laughs> on that bite. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, human jaws are terrifying. Mm. They are. They are. Like we can, They're... we have enough strength to bite our own fingers off. Yeah. Hmm. Wonder when that could come into play. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe God. maybe Abby's got the box set of Lord of the Rings in that DVD shelf. She's been watching the the end of Lord of the Rings and got some <laughs> ideas from Gollum. <laughs> mm. Um. So as after we get knocked out, we have one more flashback. Um. Actually, we have two more flashbacks, don't we? Do uh, we? No. No. We have we have one more flashback in the dream sequence. Yeah. But um. We, we flash back again to the aquarium where now Owen has clearly moved in. This is four months prior to the events of this game uh, or modern day in this game. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's Owen has clearly turned the aquarium into a living place. I think that's like an interesting little bit of commentary because it implies that at least at that time, Owen is either spending a lot of time at the aquarium or is potentially living there. I, I did not really get the super sense of what that was, but it, it was at least a hideaway for him. And I think yeah. that's notable that he's not setting up camp in the stadium, but he's still feeling very separate from that world of the WLF. Yeah. Um, and obviously Mel is staying there as well. Um, it's a little domesticated as we talked about previously. He's kind of set up shop, but they have some fun stuff. We do a little mini game with the bow and arrow uh, where we can set up a, a high score, and then Owen has a whole thing about putting our name on the board. Where you can about it. fucking crush him. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. No, he's there. He thought he thought it was fun and games. We were here to win. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. But Abby is clearly coming to the aquarium to share some news. Um. Owen does mention that a firefly has joined the WLF and heard something about regrouping in Santa Barbara. Um, so a rejoining of the fireflies, which that's going to be a thing for Owen moving forward. Mm. But uh, in Abby's case, Abby has heard something different uh, because we also heard some stuff from some fireflies who have joined up some ex fireflies 
that they have found Tommy, uh, or they at least know that Tommy's got a city in Jackson uh, that we need to go check out. And Owen is obviously a little bit hesitant. And this is the moment where Abby reveals that she has already gotten the go-ahead from basically everybody else that would be involved Mm. in this, like Isaac, Mel, the whole group. And she's just here to get the last piece, which is Owen, who, hey, I think that says a lot that she knew that Owen would maybe be the most resistant to all this. Um, Yeah. Yeah. they they end up deciding they're going to do it together and that's kind of the setup but i think the the more general point of that flashback is to show kind of how their relationship has evolved and also yeah. like the different like the growing rift between them and their desires right. and stuff um it was yeah, interesting sure. yeah um so back in present day we see a scene that looks really familiar if you watch the pre-launch coverage of the last of us yeah. part 2 can you want to talk about this one a little bit? Yeah. So wait, wait. Let, let's set the stage first because, like, I, it is fascinating to like see that this scene, and also think that Naughty Dog thought it would be like good marketing to like put out in the world with no context. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, so like, we're we content up, warnings. Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't think they had anything of that nature. Like, because I, I think they showed this at like Paris. They Game showed show it at like PSX that. or something. They showed it. I yeah, think it, it was it Paris was a, Game Show that yeah. year, and they just like showed it in a trailer. Like, and I remember people were specifically pissed off about that because it's really brutal. And they were like watching. There were kids watching this show because yeah. it's PlayStation, and they also you know do children's games. Yeah, and it's just like it. I don't know what they were hoping to like capture by showing the scene without any sort of like, because like I don't I don't think this this scene reads well out of context. I just think because it just looks like gratuitous violence. With I no, feel like mm-hmm. that was the point. Was it was supposed to be the whole? Because wasn't that when they started doing the whole like this is a game about hate thing? Yeah, it it was it was definitely feel feels like the point where like they were starting to lean into like a very specific messaging with like their their marketing, and it's which I don't think was to its benefit. And I think it was a lot of it came down to like, they, there were things they were trying to hide about this game. Cause like, I, I, I think the by and large, the last of the parts who did not need them, did not need like the, the usual like triple a, like constant marketing campaign of like trailers at every showcase. And, you know, things. and I, I think that was just, I, I feel like if maybe like they could go back and do it differently, I think they would, I think they probably would go with a more minimalist kind of setup for like how they were presenting this game to the public. But anyway, so this scene, it, it ends up with, like, we see, like, one of the, basically, what is one of the the, uh, the Scar lynching scenes with Abby. And so, like, they're starting to string her up, and then they're starting to cut into her stomach. And then, but it gets interrupted because these two Scars come up with another, like, this, this girl, her, her name is Yara, and then they ask for the other, quote-unquote, apostate, and then Yara spits in their face. And then the, the head Scar of this bunch tells them to break her arms, which they start to do with a hammer. Like, the, the yeah. doesn't even cut away. They just show that scene. Also, and then... like, for context, too, like, I feel like I didn't realize it when we watched this scene in the, um, the showcase. Yara mm-hmm. is a child. Yeah, like, I would say, like, solid, like, maybe 14 at oldest. At most, yes. like, yeah. 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 And so again, just like what, like what are you? Why did you show this scene? And so what ends up happening is that another scar, another scar, uh, 
kind of like fights them off, like sh shoots some one of them with a bow on the out, like off just off screen. Um, gets like Abby has a chance to like wrap her legs around the uh, one that was like starting to cut through her. Then Yara comes in with her with her good arm and hits a, hits her with the, uh, the hammer. And uh, yeah, and then so like then suddenly Abby has nothing to stand on and. The other star comes up, his name is Lev, and he, like, kind of ignores Appy for a second and goes to Yara, and then Yara's, like, cut her down. And then Lev's like, but what? Like, that's that's one of the wolves. That's one of them. And then Yara just, like, insists. And then so Lev cuts us free, and then we get into, you know, a, a fight with all the infected that are coming to check out the ruckus. Um, Just, like, it, like, I mean, it's, it's, in context, I think it's fine. I think it is about on par with what the game has been at this point. But mm -hmm. just, like, this had... I think this was even, like, the second thing that they'd ever shown of this game after the, the reveal mm -hmm. trailer that Eric and I were there for at PSX 2016. And, was this um, 2016? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm, yeah, because 2015... Mm, wait, no. 2016 was was the reveal of Ellie playing the guitar, I thought. Yeah, that was the, that was the, the was that in the same trailer, trailer they ever put out. That was, okay. the, that was the first trailer. That was, like, the reveal of the yeah, game. Yeah, the guitar gotcha. one. Gotcha. Was yeah, and then so like this was like the second thing we'd ever seen in this game, I think. Just like it, you know, it's not even with characters that we knew at that point. Like it, it like I don't know what you were trying to communicate with this. I feel this like it was supposed to be the like this game is somehow significantly darker than the first one, and also like I feel like it was supposed to be like look, there's these new factions, which yeah. like. It, <sighs> They only they only do a good job of fleshing out the WLF. They do not spend nearly enough time on the scars. So like, bleh. yeah, and it's and like maybe there is also to that point like it's meant to show that there are other characters. To like this is gonna be like more of an ensemble cast versus like part one, which was very much like Joel and Ellie going through America and like meeting people at like you know, at very different points. But like it was very much still a story about them. So, like, maybe they're trying to illustrate that, but then, like, they make a hard... They, like, in their marketing, they made such a hard pivot away. We did not see Abby again until the game was out. And... Uh, what's, what's up? I was just going to say, like, it's also, like, a graphical showcase. Like, there, there's I mean, a part yeah, of me well that enough, says, like... There, there's there's a part of me that, that looks at this, and I'm like, yeah, if you were going to pick a section that shows that this game is super serious and has really good character animation and stuff like that. Uh, and also would not be a spoiler section because there are definitely other parts of this game you could do that with, but it would be like spoilers for some other moments, whereas this is not particularly spoilery to see out of context. Like that's, that's what strikes me as, but that also like reflects very cynically on what the marketing campaign of this game was. So, yeah. And I, and I like, and it was even weird. Cause like they, it, they implied that Abby was a playable character because, like, the, the camera very, like, clearly, like, went behind her shoulder, like, you know, like, you know, what, what you would see in a third-person shooter. Mm -hmm. But they cut off where there was gameplay. So, like, it's... I don't know. Like, it just... All the things that y'all are saying about, like, things that might be, like, conveyed to an audience makes sense. But, like, it just... If, I felt like it was, like, the instance where the marketing started to overshadow what the game actually was and, like, very... And, like, more... Uh, concrete ways that, like, you know, we've talked about before, like, trying to hide the fact that Joel dies at the beginning of this game. Um, just, like, you know, I when a game that was, like, as enraptured in, like, trying, like, secrecy as this game was, like, to the point where, like, the embargo was one of the most restrictive I've ever experienced in my years writing about video games. Like, just, like, 
I don't know. Like, I, I, part of me feels like maybe their, their hands were tied because, like, they wanted to preserve a, a very specific experience of this game. But, like, I don't know. I wish, like, they had gone with something that was, like, maybe that initial reveal trailer, like, maybe one or two gameplay demos that they showed and then just, like, been very minimalistic about it otherwise. Like, just not really... Because I don't think The Last of Us was ever a game that needed, you know, the, the more uh, constant uh, flow of marketing material coming out. Yeah. Yeah. But... This scene does let us meet some of the best characters in the game. Yeah. And when we do get into the gameplay, good Lord, this was a stressful section to play. <laughs> um, like just a really cool concept. And like, you know, I mentioned before how taking away a lot of the stuff that we had previously was a little frustrating, but actually playing through this part where, you know, we're running through this large wooded area and going through these different workshops and we get a few moments to breathe um, and have some like, you know, kind of character building with Lev and Yara where, there, there's like a bit where Abby, clearly you're in an area where you can scrounge and Abby's like, hey, grab some supplies and all that. And, and Left's like, we can't touch. This is old world. This is old world stuff. And yeah. I was like, the hell do you mean old world stuff? Yeah. <laughs> like, first of all, I'm pretty sure I've seen seraphites slash scars using guns so i don't think that yeah. holds weight but i think it might have like maybe it's where it comes from like if like they have like designated guns that they are allowed to use but the moment they like really like solidified like the, the culture clash here was when um abby said like we're not out of the woods yet pun fucking intended and then love goes what's a pun and i was like oh. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they don't the, the language like barrier is almost there like love is things, so innocent you know, so well-meaning yeah uh, I'm I'm very excited to delve more into who these characters are because I think that was maybe my one thing coming out of day one was I want to know know more about these characters and luckily the way that day one ends is very much like we're going to learn more about these characters but mm. um, yeah no yeah. I, just, I I dug this whole section um, we we get through the woods uh, and we we get them into uh, well hold on I'm getting ahead of myself even. Uh, where do we fight the heavy? Because we fight the heavy at some point, right? Yeah, we fight the heavy, and I think it's like near the end of the uh, like the trailer park. Yeah, that sounds right. Because we have to kill some. Don't we have to? No, we don't have to kill some seraphites here, do we? No, no. There was a point. There, I guess there was something to touch on. That there was a point where uh, we were kind of like locked in a building, and uh, we lifted Levinyara through to like try and open up a door and then like a bunch of infected show up like it's, yeah it was like, clickers shambles like basically every variation and then there's a point where it seems like they're gone and that they left us and then you know we have to fight a little bit longer and but abby goes like i can't believe i trusted some fucking scars and uh and they, they but then they come back and then they come yeah. through like a like through an ambulance i think crashed into the side of the building and i think that is when we see the heavy no it would have been before that even yeah because we didn't have our pack yet so yeah, yeah at, at some point we do fight the heavy and i think that was maybe the coolest part in the section was this is very tense like standoff where we really only have melee weapons and like yeah. bottles and stuff and we have to fight this heavy who can like annihilate us um and we're yeah. like dodging ducking and dipping and diving and stuff it, it was that was really cool i mm. big fan yeah, of that i like that section a lot too because like you have the stakes of like Abby now is fully in the role of like not only does she have to protect herself but she has to protect these kids Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of gets thrust upon her like whether or not she is looking for that like in that moment like she's the only thing standing between this huge fucking person and these children yeah yeah and I think that Uh, like it it starts to like you know plant the seed of like something that I think is going like is one of the interesting framings of like 
what it means to be a caretaker of a person and like what that can you know larger themes of the last of us as a franchise that mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of like something we're going to touch on with abby for a while you know yeah um we do eventually speaking of caring for these kids like we pick up yara who's having trouble at this point we get into a trailer park and we get lev and yara settled in one of the trailers and kind of walk them through it like hey you know there'll be people moving through here. This is a high traffic area. Make sure, you know, you're out of here by tomorrow. Um, we also and, set Yara's arm. Yes. Yeah. We, we teach them how to like set an arm and, and patch it and all that. Um, it's just a nice little moment. And then Abby like almost has a moment of thinking about doubling back or whatever. And Lev just closes the door and is like, okay, peace. No. <laughs> yeah. Lev um, kind of so- makes it pretty clear in this section that like, he doesn't think that they need her. Right. Yeah. Very much like trying to set like a, like a wall between them. Like this was a momentary thing of convenience and we are now going our separate ways. Mm -hmm. And he might be in a little bit over his head as we will find out. Mm -hmm. So then we, we get back on the find an Owen train. (laughs) 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 This is literally, Abby's literally like, all right, all that's done time to find Owen. And I was just like, God, we get it. We get what the second, like, can you take a nap, please? (laughs) Um, but, uh, we, we get onto a crash ship, which has its own little story, uh, about, you know, some folks that got set off at sea and things went bad. There was an infection, a mutiny, all kinds of crazy bullshit, you know, last of us side story stuff Mm -hmm. going on. Uh, which most importantly gets us a crossbow, which is yeah. Abby's answer to stealth uh, and owns. It just rules. It's real fun. It's very good. And it's, it's I, I enjoy that it's like different enough to like differentiate both Ellie and Abby because like Abby can't craft arrows, but Abby's arrows are more durable just because like she's using something that she didn't have to like fucking stick together like some fucking scissors and some shit. Yeah, she, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just like. It's also, it's, just, it's like a really, really good answer to like, you know, give that character like a stealth option, which she does not have to this point. Short shivs. Not to be this guy, but wouldn't that make them like crossbow bolts? And I don't know the difference between bolts and arrows now that I think about it. I thought it was just like a question of size and durability, but it's like when a it size and crossbows, a shape thing. Yeah. Because mm. I think bolts don't have feathering on them. Yeah. And I, I don't think hers do. Huh. I'll, we'll do some investigating on this. <laughs> I talk don't know to enough expert. about like fletching and arrows, but I know that there are differences between the two. Right. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> the the truth about the Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> Cinema sins ding that. <laughs> um. So we we get into the aquarium finally after some more puzzle solving and infected mashing and all that kind of stuff. Um, we, we break a window to get in, which is real fun. A real goofy little rope puzzle thing happens. Um, and, she and says, do... like, if he get, he better not give me shit for the broken glass later. Exactly. Yeah. Cause he locked all the doors. Come on. Just, yeah. That's mean. Although there, the glass above the door was open and I feel like Abby could have hopped up on the handle of the door and reached up and got through that way. But whatever, you know, not to nitpick this. <laughs> She's tired, um, Eric. 
clearly not tired enough to stop looking for Owen. Okay, but there's a difference between like that and being like, let me just fucking parkour this door. She climbs (laughs) over, she like throws a rope and climbs the rope and stuff. Like there's still some effort happening. (laughs) Um, there, trust me, there's going to be some effort happening in a little bit, but, uh, that's, (laughs) that's another story. Um, they Abby finally gets inside and goes searching through the aquarium. And of course uh, we find Owen's pack. We find Owen's stuff, a shirt with blood on it. Uh, and we eventually find Owen at the boat. Um, the, the boat that was like sitting in the little, I guess like we like theater aqua theater, like where they would probably yeah. do like dolphin shows and shit like that. Yeah. Um, someone had been fixed. Someone had a boat there previously and Owen had, has apparently been fixing it. And he's also just fucking wasted on his, mm-hmm. on his hooch, <laughs> um, that he has been making. Uh, we tell, we let him know that Danny's dead. He's not surprised. Uh, he explains what happened, which is basically they were fighting some scars on patrol and he hit one in the head. And despite the scar having a weapon within reach, he doesn't really go for it he just kind of like turns and looks at Owen and Owen describes him as being old and tired and just ready. And, and Owen was not able to finish him off, which pissed Danny off. Uh, and Danny gets so mad. Like, like Owen's basically like, if you want to do it so much, do it yourself. And, and Owen basically makes a big deal of like, I'm quitting and all that. And Danny then turns the gun on Owen and, uh, a fracas ensues and the gun goes off and it kills. It, it shoots Danny. Danny is plugged. And apparently we assume that is where they parted ways. And Danny went stumbling back to the uh, perimeter while Owen took off. Um, Abby's like, we can fix this. We can make it good. Um, but Owen is very much like, I'm done with this shit. I'm done with it. I'm done fighting for Isaac. I'm done fighting over land. I don't care about. And he brings up Santa Barbara again. He wants to go to Santa Barbara. He wants to go to the fireflies. Um, I feel like in the scene, there's a real sense of like Owen just does not like where his life has ended up mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. and yeah. just sees this as a do over ticket that he wants to take. And, and he gets really aggressive and angry when, when Abby's like, we'll talk about this when you're sober and stuff. And they get, they get a little physical with each other. Um, yeah, Abby's like, sorry, I grew up and, and, uh, Owen's like, how do I do that? And should I go find the people that killed my family and fuck them up to torture them? And they start fighting and then the fighting turns into sex. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and there is there one, one thing I forgot to note. Um, Abby does mention in this conversation, uh, Hey, you know, I don't know if Mel would like Santa Barbara or like you'd have to convince Mel. And, uh, Owen basically says like, she can stay here. She'd be happier here or something like that. Mm. So basically Owen's already saying like, he's, he's calling that off too. Um, which I think maybe plays into this a little bit, but also like, okay. Uh, unpacking the sex scene. <laughs> um, first of all, it is a whole ass, like it's, we don't just get like a cut to bl- We do eventually get a cut to black, but not before things have progressed far and i've yeah, no, seen like you see them having sex 
Yeah. And and the weird thing is I've seen people like reference this before. Like you go into the comment section of any like naughty dog post and you'll just see some shit. And, uh, you know, for some reason, I don't know why I keep going back to the replies on tweets, but I do. Um, so I was aware of this existing, like a sex scene between the two existing and that people like took weird onus with it almost like oh this is what sony's putting into games and stuff like that and i'm like it's kind of fucking weird because like i feel like it's important that you see that they this is like this is angry there is there's emotion that is being expressed here mm-hmm. and when i hear people get all like up in arms about some random like game like like sexy time game being you know a problem on some stuff but not others I think you've got to look at how it's portrayed and how it's shown and all that. And like, mm-hmm. there is, there is reason for what is happening here. And there's like story to pull out of this and character growth to see in this. Right. Um, there's a lot being expressed here that they're not even using words for. And so ultimately I think this is a good scene for showing these two characters for kind of who they are and, right. and where they're, priorities lay and also like how they feel about each other and how they feel about everybody around themselves. So I think in, in that sense, this is a good scene also made me hate Owen a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well enough. Yeah. Um, That's why I like, that's why I said like, Owen is a fuck. Like he is, he is. Um, I like this scene a lot. I think it's probably the best sex scene in a video game. That's like, you know, not just like a written description and like a visual novel or something that I've seen. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I like the, I like the, all of the implications and the unspoken communication. And I also just feel like, I don't know, like if you've had like an ex who's like not out of your life, like shit like this happens. Yeah. And I think, so something that I know of like the the ways that this scene has kind of been memed, I guess, is that, uh, a lot of it comes, like, and we didn't really touch on this because I don't think it's worth touching on, but like there's a lot of, uh. We'll say we'll call it uh, bad faith is like a really kind way to describe what the like the sort of uh, discussion that has happened around like Abby's physique, and a lot of oh, the uh, sort of uh, people that are shitty about the scene. It does a lot of it is kind of like body shaming and things that are not you know not not worth diving into. So I think there's just like a lot of it. A lot of the reasons that it has become like weird meme bait is just like people mad about a character that killed Joel and you know, just looking for anything that they can grasp at to kind of belittle it in any way that they can. And cause I, I agree with y'all. I think the scene is like very good. Like, and like, you know, what every, everything that it says in the fact that the act happens, like, you know, there is a lot of arguments about like whether sex scenes have like narrative value. And I think this is definitely like one yeah. of the scenes where like, it's like, this is clearly like communicating a lot without it having to be said. And I appreciate it for that. And a lot of those arguments end up coming from bad faith points too. Cause like, it's not to say that like, you know, just erotic games can exist. And I don't think there's much point assigning value to one over another, like having narrative value versus just having like fun, sexy time appeal value. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of it comes from this scene ends up feeling really genuine and like narratively important. And I think that's really interesting because this is kind of a thing that games have struggled to grapple with very often. Like they just, the second any sort of like intimacy between characters becomes a factor, games are just like, oh fuck, how do we do this? (laughs) Oh my God, I'm fumbling. And Mm -hmm. 
Uh, this, and I'd say like some of the scenes in Inquisition are the two times where I have really felt, and maybe mm, I'd almost put The Witcher 3 in that category, but it's also like one of those things where I have to caveat it with like certain scenes versus right. other scenes. But games very much still fumble the ball on this. And so to see it being handled well and that we can intimate a lot, like we can understand that this is they're coming like they're they clearly have a history. They still have feelings for each other, but they're also intensely frustrated with each other. There's some anger that is happening Mm. that they are quite literally working through in the moment. Mm. And like there is. There's there's a lot that gets communicated here that isn't just like these two characters are are schmagging in the boat and like that's I think that's really interesting to see and especially yeah. in this game that we have like changed viewpoints now because I also think it's important that it's these characters because like you know I don't think that would have come across well with like Joel another character or something like that. That's not how Joel would have expressed his complicated emotions, but it's definitely how Owen would have expressed mm. his complicated emotions because as Ty has put it, Owen a fuck. So <laughs> <It's> a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I just I hate Owen now. I'm just like this dude is just sees the first sign of struggle or friction or difficulty and he's not even like oh you know i need to get out of here you know the wolves are whole thing so we need to get mel can you help me get mel and we're just all gonna get out of here i don't think this is good for us anymore or we'll go find a new place no he's just like i'm gonna run off to the fireflies and go have fun because i was having fun with the fireflies before I mean, I think, yes, there's that reason, but I also think, like, he talked about, like, how he doesn't give a shit about the the wolves, like, what, what what they're doing here in Seattle. Like, he doesn't give a shit about this land, but the Fireflies was something that he did at least believe in. Like, he felt like there was something that he, you know, he felt like he was there for, like, a purpose and something that mattered. And I think, like, yes, Owen is a fuck, and there's, we're gonna have to deal with that for another two days of video game. And, uh, but I... I, I don't know. I, I, I still sympathize with that guy that you see here that's just, like, looking at, like, his life and, you know, things that he has fucked up and things that he maybe should have, maybe took further than he should have and that, that were irresponsible of, like, both his, his own, like, life, but also, like, the lives of others that he's uh, kind of fucked up in the process. And that is all, you know, as we even saw at the, uh, in Ellie's third day, was coming to a head in the final moments of his life. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I... I agree. Owen's a fuck, but I, he's got a, he sometimes has a heart of gold and he's one of the golden retrievers of this game in certain scenes when he's not being a fuck. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot with Owen. That's why like, I don't like him as like a person, but like, I think his character is interesting. Mm. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's the classic like, Hey, they've made good characters because you can hate their guts and still find them compelling. In, right. in that moment and they have they have multitudes they have depth to them uh so nothing else it's a sign of good character writing we do have one last little bit here where we have a dream sequence where abby is once again going down that same hall towards the the surgery room with the alarms blaring but rather than seeing her dad and owen or anything like that we see lev and yara strung up on trees uh and then abby wakes up you know, all, all panicked and stuff next to Owen, uh, sits up and kind of puts her arm around her neck, like as as if she can feel the rope there, um, and says those fucking kids. And, you know, looks like we are headed back. Uh, we can't, 
can't leave that alone. Can't leave that up to chance. So uh, we are we are off to Seattle day two for Abby. But that's that's about it for today. Uh, a real real long episode. <laughs> so much to talk about. Uh, Ty, did you have any last thoughts about just the first day that we have with Abby here in Seattle? No, I just like I like Abby's section just better and a lot. Mm-hmm. So mm. yeah. It, it definitely like it, it was the part of the game where I was thinking, oh, we're we're doing new stuff. This is not necessarily feeling like a continuation necessarily. This is completely new character, completely new world, new viewpoint, you know, completely fresh viewpoint to observe this world from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it definitely adds a lot in that respect. I just want to go back to to football town. <laughs> 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 I want to live in football town. <laughs> Um, that, that's cool. Do it for us. Uh, as always, we are Normandy FM. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Normandy FM, where you can back us. Any amount will get you into the backer discord where we have all kinds of discussions. We may be having some discussions pretty soon here because we are nearing the end of the last of us season. We got to figure out what next steps are for us in terms of what we'll be looking at next. And also you have some, some broader stuff that we're thinking about. You know, we, we always love to chat with our fans and, and talk and share dumb memes when we can. So if you want to join that discord, you can head on over to patreon.com slash and back there at the $5 level, you will also get any episode early. As soon as Ken is done editing it, you will get it on the backer feed. And if you back at the highest level, we do shout your name out every week on the podcast. And this week that name list is Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Alice Hawk, Colin, just Colin, just the wedge of destiny, Zach James and Kevin Hux. Thank you all so much for contributing and backing and helping us keep things running Ty, for the folks at home, thank you so much for coming on. Where can they find your excellent work and all the things you do? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Keeper, and you can check out Uppercut at UppercutCrit.com. Heck, yes. So much awesome stuff going up over there at up- Uppercut all the time. Uh, highly recommend you check that out. Ty, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully we will have you on again soon to talk more stuff uh, on Normandy FM. It's always a pleasure. You, you've not overtaken Natalie quite yet, but you are closing. I'm I think getting you are the there. next closest. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. Like, As, I remember like, I was like talking in like all my different secret channels. I was like, oh, we're going to do the last of us. And you immediately were like, let me come on and talk about Abby. And I was like, hell yes. Of course. Yeah. For Ty, for Ken, for myself, for everyone, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time for Abby Day 2 here on Normandy FM. (laughs) 